This episode of the Hell on Wheels Garage Built Podcast is a special one. Um, we get to sit down with one of my buddies, Corey Souza from Corey Souza Originals in Sarasota, Florida. He's one of the most well-known bike builders of our modern day here. His bike, Crispy, has won just about every award. It's driven across the country two or three times. Uh, we talk about that a little bit in this episode. Uh, we kind of talk about some other things, too. I mean, we talk about the state of the industry. We talk about some of the people that are in the industry. Not anybody necessarily specifically, but we do talk about some of the trials and tribulations and the ins and outs of owning a modern bike shop to nowadays. Um so I hope you enjoy that part of it. Um, we actually talked to Cody Til Childers, too. We kind of patched him in um, via uh, Skype through, uh, or from, rather, from Abilene, Texas. Um, something I'm pretty stoked to tell you guys about, um, along with uh, all of our new podcasting equipment that we did and the introduction of doing these intros prior to the show, kind of give you kind of a, a little bit of prelog of what you're going to see. Um, we have a, a sponsor we're pretty stoked about. Uh, if you go to Instagram and go to Full Bore Clean, uh, you're going to see uh, they've got a couple products out there. This is not a new company. They've been around since 1979. And they make an awesome uh, solvent-free hand soap uh, with uh, scrubbing pumice or I don't know exactly what it is. The instructions or the ingredients don't really say, so it might be a proprietary thing. But here's what I can tell you. I've used every different hand soap in the world. I've tried stuff from department stores, stuff with lanolin, stuff with pumice, stuff without pumice, stuff with other scrubbing compounds in it, stuff without nail brushes, the whole deal. And um, this stuff is awesome. There's no harsh solvents. Uh, they use soft abrasives. Uh, they contain skin moisturizers to make sure your hands are, are getting, um, not stripping all of the, uh, the natural flora and the, the, you know, the body oils that you need so that you don't have cracked hands, especially this time of year in the wintertime. Not such a big problem for me down here because it's not as cold down here as it is up in Detroit where I'm from. But it doesn't leave a sticky film afterwards either. And the odor doesn't smell like a chemical smell since there's no harsh uh, chemicals. It's not like you can go right from the workshop to the dinner table or the lunch table uh, without having to, uh, to rewash. Sometimes I'll use like... I'll use like a product like a Gojo or a citrus product or something like that. And I end up washing my hands out in the shop, coming into the house. And before I sit down for dinner, I end up washing my hands again with some foo-foo soap that doesn't clean anything. It just kills the odor. So the other thing about this, too, is um, because there's no harsh chemicals in it, it doesn't irritate any open cuts. So uh, right now, if you use the uh, code GARAGEBUILT, get free shipping on all of your orders over $70. And uh, go to Full Bore Clean on Instagram or go to FullBoreProducts.com. Uh, this is an American company out of Fort Worth, Texas. You can also call them at 1-800-227-6994. Again, that code is GarageBuilt. Get free shipping on any order over $70. So uh, we're stoked about having a, having a real legit podcast sponsor. So um, we're, we're pretty jam up. Uh, the other thing, too, is recently Cycle Stop USA, my business, uh, we're becoming a Lexan Moto dealer, and I'm pretty excited to try out the new FT4 Pro uh, that Lexan sent me to try out. So, Lexan, if you if you follow some of the other motorcycle podcasts like Jace Hudson's Fast Life Garage podcast, you know who Lexan Moto is. And so, next uh, podcast out, I'll be able to tell you my impression of the Lexan FT4 Pro. And if you're not following me on 
YouTube, check out my YouTube channel. Cycle Stop USA is uh, my YouTube channel. I have lots of how-to videos and unboxing videos, and there's going to be more media put there too. So, But without further ado, I give you Corey Souza, myself, and Cody Childress. Classy for you, motherfuckers. Yeah, it is fucking hot in here to me. It is. I'm back up sweaty pits, and I'm always. And Dude, go in there. Gone. Go right in my in my office there, and turn that bitch down to like 68 degrees. And like even doing this, like I'm already going through puberty. I feel like so. Really? You get like a hot flashes and shit. Pull a little bit closer if you can. Let me see. Go ahead. Not that close, you fuck. Is this how hot? Hello, hello. Just Yo. say, just say your ABCs for a second. I'm fucking. A B C D E F G. There you go. H I J. I gotta turn these on. <laughs> <laughs> these are all like it's supposed to be like uh, you can program them so they come with like fucking pre-programmed shit in there. <laughs> so what do you uh, um? Let's see here. It, this is just th- all about this, my fucking bullshit show. Dude. This this is how this the, the best way this works is if it just. We just start having a conversation, and then I just I do everything in post edit, right? So like we're already recording, so I'll cut all that other shit out. We can't talk about the hotter, no, 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 the hotter, hotter. If I can hit it hotter, so it just it ends up going to. We'll just start talking. There, I actually have like a starting point that I wanted to jump off from because you do a lot of this. Okay, you can't just own a bike shop anymore, right? You know, you have to be, you have to have, uh, you have to be a micro promotional company. You have to, you know, it used to be you could just order business cards. Right. right, right. You could have a website if you wanted to have a website. Yep. Um, but now anymore, you've got to have fucking. You've got to. You've got to have full time. And if you can't afford somebody, you're going to be full time on the fucking, on the on the the grind of Instagramming and and I, I'm going to patch. I'm going to actually patch Cody in real quick because um, I was talking with him about uh, this. Um, he's doing a 75 day challenge. Where he has to do, he has to drink a gallon of water every day. Hello. Hey, what are you doing? Nothing, man. What's going on? Nothing. We're just getting going here. We've been talking shit for like an hour and a half. Imagine so, that. Yeah, right. And just kind of go. I was just telling, I was just telling Corey about. Um, well, what I started with was talking about you can't just own a fucking bike shop anymore. You've got to be a micro promotional company. You've got to do you got to do promotional videos. You got to do how to videos. You got to uh, you can't just order business cards. You've got to have an Instagram. You got to do Instagram stories, Instagram live, Facebook live. You got to have a website. Your website still has to do stuff. Yep. Right. Do you sell stuff on, on your website, Corey? I do. I have a Shopify account, man. So we sell like my, I make like an exhaust tip for the drag for the pi- Python exhaust mm-hmm. system to keep you burning your bags. I make a flip out license plate bracket that goes inside the bag. So when you go to shows, you, you pop that thing out. in the bag, you know, um, Small things. I make a lot of speaker rings for all the audio guys out there now. So we're doing a bunch of different rings. We sell a lot to Kobe from Speed by Design. But yeah, you got to have a website. Do you handle your marketing inside? Yes, I do. Courtney does my marketing for me. So like she handles. You have two Instagram pages. You have you have your personal one. Yeah. The Corey Souza nineteen sixty three right. Yep. And then you have uh, Corey Souza Originals your KSO page. Yep. 
right? And Cody was telling me um, the other day, Cody, you can talk about this, that uh, you were reading about Instagram about you got to pay post this many times a day. You've got to, what were you, what, you were telling me something about it like two days ago. I, I, I was just listening to some podcasts and reading some stuff about Instagram and social media and how many times a day you have to post and that the different algorithms that, that how you become an influencer and, and what determines whether you, you're actually influencing people or how you're posting. Like the emojis, if you if you re- respond to something or people respond to something on your page with an emoji, it it the way the algorithm works, it like kicks it out. Like, uh, and you need to post like I can't remember if it was seven times a day or seven times an hour, but there was some asinine amount of a number of times you needed to post every right. day in order to to be relevant because the amount of people that are on social media. And I'll tell you, like, I am a total not social media person. Like, I totally, I, I don't want to say I hate it, but I do. Because <laughs> well, I want to say that, and, and this is what I'm going to say with it, is social media, to me, allows everybody to have a voice and an opinion on everything. You know what I mean? And Well, it also allows it's people o- that... It's okay to hate it, though. It's okay to hate it. Like, I, want, I want to hate it because <laughs> most of my bikes, not my bikes, just say, most of the bikes that come to my shop, are from the loudest people on social media. And they think because they have a lot of followers and likes, like they build a quality bike. And the loudest person in the room, to me, has always been full of shit. So if you're loud on social media, to me, you're full of shit too. So we pretty much get to fix all all bikes from other people's shops that come to my shop because people just think of likes and followers. And I mean, to me, that's crazy. That's part of the problem that I've had. We were talking earlier about... The, the, there's no barrier to entry to get into this motorcycle business, mm-hmm. right? You have guys like, um, and I, you know, I used to be like, I used to have a hard on for anybody who had a shop in their garage. Yep. Well, one of my best friends has a shop in his garage, but who did? Who did? Who did? Who did? Who did? If you if, if you go in, if I if if we could just go right now and just snap our fingers and teleport into into Cody's garage, you'd be fucking impressed. It's I it's, saw it early. He Facetime. It, it, it's an actual motorcycle shop. In his backyard. Yep. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't front on that. And, and he's not doing shit to the public. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not fucking, he's not taking any food from any local, local guys there. Right, he's doing right. stuff. Well, he's and, building for himself and, and, and fair, selling shit. And to be fair, I had a commercial, a commercial building with everything set up and, and did that for a while. And then I still have a commercial building that I'll probably move some stuff into, but while well, it's being redone, well, my point is is that you're not you know. taking any business from any local shops. You're not taking oil changes away from, you know, the the guy down the street that's doing oil changes. You know, you're mostly and I, in, and I go ahead. Truth be told, is that I I still have accounts with several different dealers, but I buy parts from you and I buy parts from a local business here. I bought parts from the Harley dealership here. You'll buy I'm not me. trying to just oh, whatever. Huh? You'll buy shit for me, but whatever. Bro, I don't. I sold my Vespa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Vespa building. All right. <laughs> Do you know that Vespa uh, but, but is I, an Italian word meaning wasp? I used to. I used to sell Vespa. That's the only reason I said that. But, wow. Uh, well, you hurt me. But <laughs> there's, there's. Uh, you got me deep. But I try to support other shops. Like I'm not. I'm not in the business of trying to. To, to take other shops around me's money uh, and sell out my back door. That's not what I do. I don't sell parts to other people. I mean, I'll, I'll work on some people's stuff, but it's very few and far between. I mean, well, I'll do it. What I was saying earlier is that there's no – Corey's saying that, you know, you can be the loudest person on social media, have the most followers on social media, 
build a few bikes, get some business out of that. But that doesn't that doesn't make you a quality bike builder. It also doesn't make you a quality business person. Right. You know, what the 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 check that you stroke every month and the check that I stroke every month to have a shop like this and a shop like yours, fuck man, that you know. And I was telling Corey earlier that it, the cost of getting into this business is fucking almost nothing compared to the cost of staying in this business. Right. I agree. I mean, and think about this. How about the, the, the grandfathers that started this stuff, like Arlen Ness and like Dave Perowitz and Donnie Smith, the dudes that have been building bikes way before any of us did this, right. and there was no social media. It was these dudes rode these bikes to Sturges, or they went to rallies, and they, like, pumped their own business up. And, like, look how big Arlen Ness is right now, like all the parts they sell. But there was no social media, man. I was talking about that with Cam uh, when I did a podcast with Cam over the weekend. Of like, you, So I put it into classes, right? So yeah. me, you, and Cody are all about the same age. So we all kind of come up in the same class, right? And there was guys, there were guys that Cody's were like... way we're, older than us, I think. No, he's younger than me. Shit, man. Yeah, I mean, no, he's only a couple months though. But my point is, is that there was there's a there's a class, not a class system like as in like status, but there's a class system like in high school. You have you know the class in front of you, right? So you had yeah. the class in front of us would have been like Billy, Jesse, Russell. But anyway, those guys had to they had to build a bike, then they had to put it in a trailer, then they had to they had to pay to go set up in, on Main Street, right? And then they had to set up their thing and they had to man their booth or get somebody to man their booth and they had to go they had to leave their booth to go to this show and that show and all the shit i mean remember bike week 2004 you know where you you start at the bridge right and yep. you had west coast choppers was over at the wreck across the street was occ yep. then then uh the next little little enclave was uh indian larry choppers inc um <clears throat> we were i remember Perowitz, i was with parrots and we were in the buick the old buick dealership set out back right and and but you had to that, that was that was social media yeah it was like the old joke about the old meme about social media back in my day and they show all the kids with the bicycles in front of the house yeah. right i mean yeah. so it, it's the barrier the, like i'm saying the cost of getting into this business and and you know we make we open we always open our arms to all these people yep. you, know, you meet somebody <laughs> and i call them dude bros like i've met so many people in this business right. that they're like, dude, bro, bro, dude, you're my bro, dude, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? You meet them at Bike Week. They're Bike Week friends. You meet them at Bike Week. Yep. You know, they, they go to everybody's booth. They buy chopper shirts. They buy the fucking denim with the fucking cutoff sleeves. They got the affliction jeans. They got the right chopper and that. Those motherfuckers go home, and they go back to their 9 to 5, and we go back home and start grinding again. And it's I'm not complaining. I'm happy to do it. I told you earlier. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I've, pro I've proven that I don't plan on going anywhere. You've proven yeah. that you don't plan on going anywhere. Both of us... Both of us have one thing in common. We both lost everything to move down here. Yeah, we both know, walked right. away from everything to you're move right. down here. When did you move down here? Oh, like nine years ago, and I actually sold. I had a set of Affliction jeans that looked like a chandelier. I <laughs> sold that those jeans to make my move here. Actually, <laughs> now, you, you want to hear something funny about Affliction? When I was moving down here, I told you guys I had all those West Coast Choppers parts that I, mm -hmm. I funded. Well, I, I, the other thing I would do, one of the scams I would do is I'd go to, like, Marshalls and TJ Maxx, and I went into Marshalls one day, and they had a fucking wall of Affliction boots. And so I went right on my fucking phone and went to eBay and looked up that boot, and they were going for, like, 129 bucks, and I could buy them for 50 bucks. I bought every pair of Affliction boots that I had that they had. I went home. I listed them all on eBay. I sold them all on Buy It Now. The dude. ones I didn't sell, I took back to fucking TJ Maxx, got my money back. Jeez, I probably sold 10 dude. or 12 cents. Dude, I was... 
when I look back at some of the hustling shit that I did to get down here, it yeah. was uh, fucking rough, man. I sold everything that wasn't nailed down and a few things that were. I sold my fucking FXR. I sold wow. everything. I came down here with very little and very happy to yeah. do so. I'm not complaining at all because I, I'm happy with where I'm at. But Cody, Cody had fucking, he had uh, bad company customs. It was He owned a building. He was a dealership. It was a custom shop, everything. He ended up, he ended up selling didn't you sell? Yeah, I sold out to another company. Talking about, we were talking about Vespas. I, I sold out to another company, a young kid. And it was about 2008 when everything was going, was really going Tits to shit. Uh, and so I had a young kid come to me and he's like, hey, I'm going to start a, start, a, start a bike shop. And uh, we're going to be called Sucker Punch Sally of Abilene. It was when uh, Christian had Sucker Punch. Really? Oh, yeah. And so, uh, we I was just saying the other day, I was talking to John. I don't mean to cut you off. I was just talking to John the other day on the phone. And I said, and I don't know if it's bad, but I said out of all the production bikes that, like, when it was Big Dog and Texas Chopper, out of all the production bikes, I would have bought a Sucker Punch Sally's. Because I thought they had the coolest style at the time and uh, a cool-looking bike, but maybe no, I'm wrong. No, no, no. I'm, well, it's, it's completely subjective. I mean, you're not wrong about that at all. Have you ever have you ever ridden or been around a Paramount bike? Yeah. That stuff, that was, a, that was Cody was a Paramount dealer. Really? Yep. As, as far as as far as quality, I will tell you that Paramount's quality was Paramount above everybody. I mean, the Sucker Punch bikes probably had as good a look as anything out there, but they were doing what production companies do. They were buying, you know, 500 Chinese brake light switches. They were buying every single thing that they could buy in volume yeah. and just he was buying the uh, product. They were I mean, buying engine dra- drivetrains from a company in West Virginia or Pennsylvania that was all Harley, just straight up. It was Harley primary, yeah. trans, and engine in that working man special, which, hey, that worked. That What were those bikes, 15 grand, Cody? Uh, by the time you got them and, you know, there's the whole setup and delivery and the whole, you know, you're paying a guy in the back to do like a, a pre-inspection like Harley does with their bikes. And, uh, I mean, by the time you got them on the floor, and put them out for retail. Your their, the entry level bike was nineteen grand, but but the problem the problem was the price point. They had a, a swing arm bike. I forget what they called it. It was a swing arm like a uh, an FX or FL old seventies yeah. eighties swing arm Evo. But I mean that bike was twenty nine thousand dollars. Which but we were too late. By then it was too late. And so what what ended up happening is they changed the name of this place from Sucker Punch Abilene. Before I even I sold my business, signed on the dotted line, and the next month they changed it to Scooter Bums. Right? I had already signed the contract. <laughs> that so sounds I, like a fucking gay club or no, something, no, no. dude. No, 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 no bullshit. So I, scooter bums I right show up. up. I, I show up. I show up. There's this beautiful showroom, and there's like six sucker punch bikes, and there's fifty Vespas and four Moto Guzzis, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. And they're like, well, we've decided to pick this up and this up, and we're going to be like a, a boutique. I mean, we had 7,000 different kinds of helmets and an espresso machine and all this Dude, bullshit. I, I, I mean, wow. I was, it was horrible. I hated it. I was I had a one-year contract, and so I took my check every Friday, and I put – I hate to say it. I put zero effort into it because I couldn't stand – the mechanic that worked for me, I took him with me over there. Was that he hated – he's like – uh, this, no, 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 no. This guy, this guy's name was Gerald. Uh, he was a 35 year wrench, uh, from a Harley dealership. And still, he's still alive today. He's good as gold. I wish I could get him here, but he said, I'm not working on no Vespas. I'm not working on fucking Moto Guzzi. I'm not working on any of that shit. So, and he wouldn't, he was just like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And 
he's like, that's not what I signed on to do. And, and that's not what I signed on to do. So we all kind of, it was just a horrible year, but it was a, I was kind of, I should have never sold out. I hit the panic button. As you, you hear me say often, I, I hit the panic button. Too soon. <laughs> when you're telling me that I'm hitting the panic button, that's yeah, why you so, but, that. Uh, I hit back that to fucker about, all the time, man. Do you? Oh yeah. Where, where is that on my phone? Cause I haven't found it yet. <laughs> Cause I've been trying to find a button to hit a long time ago. Uh, y'all talking about, social media and people starting shops and stuff. And I think a lot of the differences, like for me, I'm still a fan. Like I'm a fan of cycle stop. I'm a fan of Corey Souza. I'm a fan of Paramount. I'm a fan of, uh, Arlen Ness. I'm still a fan of all these guys. So I still have a lot of respect for what other people are doing to where now, like you say, with social media, you can hang a sign, you can get, you can buy a banner for fifty nine ninety five from any place that you want to be a dealer for. You can make it look like you have a shop and then, throw all your stuff together and call yourself a shop. I mean, yeah. and a lot of people don't do it out of, I still have respect for the business. I'm still willing to call another shop and ask for help. I'm still, I still don't mind calling Corey and saying, Hey, I don't understand. I don't know anything about, call me you know, a, the, right this now, big wheel scene or the, or the, or the dirty tales, or I don't know anything <laughs> about that. I mean, you know, and Listen, I, I'm I, not I, just I, a bagger builder. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I, know, I'm I, I'm said, I said dirty tales. I know. I know. <laughs> But that's a good point, um, though, because when I'm hiring somebody or when I'm training somebody, I base everything that I'm going to teach them off of the questions they're asking me. And when I when another shop doesn't ask me questions, then that means either I'm not doing something right or they're not doing something right. I mean, I call you. Yeah. You call me. Yeah. We call each other. I mean, it's not all the time, but fuck, dude, if we get if one of us gets in a jam, the other one calls the other one and says, hey, have you ever done this? Have you ever dealt with this person? Is this, you know, is this normal? What the fuck, you know? And it, it's funny. That's a good point that you made that, you know, you still reach out to somebody and ask for help. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm man. not too proud. Like, I'm not too proud to call anybody and say, hey, man, I mean, I did it with I did it with Krauss when I when I did my FXR and had some problems with a couple of pieces. I wasn't too proud to call him and go, hey, man. I got a question. I don't understand this. Like, is, is it above my pay grade? Probably not. But I don't mind calling the guy that came up with it and asking him for his opinion. I'm not too proud. I'm, I mean, it's a, I feel like there's some respect that's gone by the wayside in the business to where everybody's mad at everybody about something. And I, I don't get that. I mean, I, I still admire, there's never going to be another Arlen that that's, you can, you can, yeah, you can bank write that, that right now. Yep. Yeah. That's over. I mean, he's, he put in too much time and did it the right way. And well, they're changing their business model too. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, I was talking with uh, Steve Watkins over there and I wasn't really chatting with Corey much, but he, he was pretty preoccupied, but um, they're getting rid of their dealership. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. They're taking, they took all the motorcycles and the showroom now is just going to be Arlen's motorcycles and they're not, they're not interested in it anymore. They're not no service department. They shut their service department down. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Like we, we did the ride. And uh, we rode from, <clears throat> we started in Las Vegas, right. and we went to California. We did the whole coast of California. We rode to Sturgis one year, and we stopped there. And um, the one thing that impressed, I mean, his shop is impressive. as you know, sure, yeah. crazy, dude. It's crazy. And Alan was still alive, and I was fortunate enough to actually get a tour from him, and we took pictures with him, and, and it was really cool. But one thing that I loved about him was... First off, he's the most personable. You know, you could talk to him. He's a regular guy. Right. He has no ego because everybody in this industry has a, this ego. You know what I mean? He has no ego. But I love that he had all his bikes, and you see how his style changed throughout the years of what he thought the was evolution. cool at the time. The evolution of the it. The evolution of his, yeah. Which is killer, and that's why, you know, people call me a hoarder 
but I, I don't want to sell my bikes. Like my <laughs> personal bikes, I don't want to sell. Like I'm trying to sell my soft tail right now and I don't want to sell it because it's me and I want to sell it to build another bike. So I'm trying to sell other things now to build another bike because I'd rather keep, I saw my first, <clears throat> my chopper that I built with Perowitz. I'll right. never sell that. It's to me, it's iconic. I love it. I was never a motorcycle guy until I met Jody. You know, I was slinging tires and wheels of Town Fair Tire. They opened my eyes to this whole industry, which I love it. Hada. And, you know, like, it was just always, like, from then, oh, I would never sell that bike. But, like, I've seen myself as a person grow with my quality of work I've done. You, you, every year, you get better and better, and you do things differently, and you – you just see yourself. You grow. You get better. And I like my from my first bike to my to crispy my road king, to my soft tail and to whatever I'm gonna build. Like I, I don't want to sell that. I don't want to sell my bikes. I want to keep them for myself because it makes me happy. You know what well, I mean? Well, I mean, happy's good. Yeah, happy's good. You talk about there's two things I want to touch on and what you just said, and then I want to let let Cody talk. It's like you're sitting in a room, full of a bunch of fucking shit that makes me happy. Yeah. That room over there, <clears throat> I didn't even get to show you some of the stuff in there. I, there's stuff in that room that makes me happy. Like, yeah. I, you know, one of the when I first started doing this for a living, uh, one of the one of the coolest bikes I ever saw, and it and it probably it it it, it solidified like my the style that I I have gone after right. is that red rum bike. Yep. And did you see the tank off of it in I there? Did. I mean, black one with the spin yeah, on top. I, yep. I, I, you know, I, I'll never. Hand to God, that'll be my urn. Is the, I'll we'll put all the ashes in there, <laughs> right? But and and you know this bike here, I wish I could get that bike yep. back. Just there's things on it that I know now I didn't do a good enough job on. You know what I mean? And I, I you know, no, we get better as we get older. That's the first bike I ever built. Yeah, you know what I mean. And everybody's got that. But I, I wished I had, I wished I had my bike. And that's why it was so important to get those tins back off the the Angel of Death. Yeah. Was because I can't replicate that. That smokes out of the bottle. But that tank to me, to me, it's iconic because people know who it is, know what it is. Not as much as the red rum tank. I get it. Like it's, it's important to me. It makes me happy. Right. And you know, and you want to talk about fucking hoarder. Cody has not, not a hoarder in a bad way. Like there's never going to be like a, a lifetime story about him or there's never going to be a discovery channel, but there could be an intervention at some YouTube. point. YouTube, he'd be on YouTube with it. Dude, he's got fucking shit. When I went to his house, to his shop the first time when we were building that orange bike in 16, finishing it up, doing all mm -hmm. the little wiring and stuff, getting it done. I'm like, I'd open a fridge and there's, there's nothing in the fridge but motorcycle parts. There's a freezer next to it. You open that, it's all shovel. All the shovel head parts were in the old freezer. There's the, the refrigerator had a bunch of Evo parts. He had another room that was just lined with shelves with stuff. I mean, this dude's got, this guy's got his, fur, he's got his foreskin still somewhere in a box. I'm sure. I could smell it. Here's, smell here, the here's, here's what you have to understand is that I live in this. I don't even know how to describe it. Jason always describes Abilene as this. It, it's a really strange, I mean, there's 120,000 people here, but it, stuff, I just run across stuff like, call and go hey i got this thing and i don't know what to do with it and i'm like what is it and they're like oh it's an fxr t or you know i mean like and they're like i'll take 25 dollars for it and i'm like i fall into so much of that shit that it's just i mean it's weird i mean like that 13 slim i was telling you about yeah the guy wrecked his son wrecked his v-rod and he, i mean didn't wreck it bad but hurt the handlebars the forward control on a v-rod and he's like hey i got this slim that's 
kind of got a few dings and dents in it, needs a few things. He's like, if you'll fix the V-Rod, I'll give you this plan. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. You know, I mean, people just, I just fall into shit. I mean, I just, I just won a motorcycle in a Super Bowl football fight. I mean, hey, can a I... 92 spring soft tail that I just, I'm like the motorcycle whisperer. With yeah, in Abilene is. Abilene is a weird place. If you've never been there. I would really recommend that you, like, mon buy. Like, if you're going through Dallas and going to go out west, stop there, have lunch with this dude. Let him take you around the town because it takes five minutes to get from one side or ten minutes to get from one side to the other. There's literally – it's like if you took Lakeland and yeah. put it in the middle of fucking tesor, uh, the desert in Texas. There's nothing – I mean, you're just driving. There's nothing, 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 nothing. Abilene, and no matter what direction you go, if you go 20 minutes, it's nothing, nothing, nothing. I mean, it's literally – it's bananas. And so – the cool part about it is, is there's one of everything there, right? There's a Lowe's, there's a Home yeah, Depot, yeah. there's a Harbor Freight, but there's also this little, this dude, there's this wiring shop because they, you know, there's an electrical supply house that's got all, all the coolest shit in the world and you can get a motor rewound there in town because somebody's got to fucking do it because you can't, you can drive three hours to Dallas to buy a fucking motor. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so that town hasn't been taken over by, completely taken over by the internet. Yep. Yet where, you know, like a lot of other places. It's like a mom and pop's place. It is. Yeah. You know, there's still regular well, it, restaurants it, and shit and donut shops and, yeah. you know. Well, you and the reason that I'm a, your name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But the reason I'm a hoarder, though, is because regardless of what I buy, if I buy a 113-inch show-polished motor for 200 I can't sell that motherfucker for 210 like I, that's why i don't that's why i have so much shit because nobody buys a fucking thing like right. i can list it all on ebay and get i'm like i don't even have a watcher there's not a watcher there's no bid i mean people will call and go hey I'll, I'll give you 75 bucks i'm like i'll throw the motherfucker in the trash i'm not doing that right. like i i can't sell anything that's i i do not have the ability to sell anything i can buy the fuck out of it but to resell it and make a profit i don't i do not have that skill can I, let me tell you, can I want, I want to tell you my, you say fall into things. I'm going to give you my like one minute fall in the story that I fell into. Like I'd have never won anything in my life. I've played the lottery. I've done this and that. And my lottery ticket was, so I had a buddy of mine from New York city, a club guy, you know, and he came into town and uh, his buddy Thor was from Portugal, right? He came into town and we went. We went out for a ride one night. They were all staying at my house, and I took them out for the night. They all came to Sarasota, right? And I had this 63 Bel Air, and it was a four-door, which no one wants a four-door old car. I do. I know. I love four-doors. So it was bagged out. post. Yeah. It was bagged out um, on big wheels, and I had this big shifter in it, right? So we all go out one night, and it's me, Badlands Bob, Thor, and Dominic. We're all in this car, and we go out, and we hit the town, and we go to the bars and shit like that. And this guy, Balance Bomb, cool dude. He's from New, um, Boston, Mass, where I'm from. I didn't really know him when I lived in Boston, but I met him when I moved to Florida. He's like, yo, I got to have this car. And I'm like, all right. And I'm like, I don't want to sell it. Like, me and my father had the best time. Me and my dad. My dad right. always worked his whole life. He's, you know, he's Portuguese. And he made sure that he worked 60-plus hours a week so that his four sons and his wife could stay at home to provide for us, which... I respect totally, you know, I love him to death because of that. And uh, I said, I don't want to sell this car because me and him drove the car from Boston to Georgia and we just had the best time because we'd never been able to sit with each other for an extended period of time. Yeah, where you, and you, we could talk about <laughs> stuff that 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't want to sell the car. I just love that car. And I want to sell the thing. And um, this guy wanted to buy it from me. And I was just like, he's like, what do you want for this car? And I'm like, and I just said a ridiculous number because I don't want to get rid of it. So I was doing 15 grand. You know, I had like five grand in this car. You know, it just, you buy something, a beater and you make it look cool. And, you know, and um, the dude's like, I don't have any money to give you because I'm going through a divorce, but I have a cool bike. I'll trade you for this car. So he calls me up and he goes, hey, I'll be in Porta Gorda. Is that how you say it? Porta Gorda. Porta Gorda. What the fuck the thing is, right? Whatever. I know what you mean. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> I'll be there Friday night. Meet me there at 8, and I'll bring this bike to you, and if you want to do the deal, we'll do it. And I was like, all right, cool. So I pull in, and I'm driving my girl's Ford Escape, and I got this little one-bike trailer on the back, close right. trailer, right? And this dude's got this badass Peterbilt, right? Double-decker. He hauls cars for a living, but his Peterbilt is so sick. And on the top deck is this 1916 all-original Harley on the top deck. And I'm like, ain't no way this guy wants to trade me this this Harley for this this car. And I... And I'm and like I come up and I get out and I'm like what's up Bob blah 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 right and then he's pulling it down I'm like all right where's the bike he's like it's this bike and I'm like no way like no way dude like I'm not an old like I don't know enough I'm not knowledgeable on really old bikes to tell you what they, they were don't, they don't pique my interest very yeah very they much don't and they, and they don't pique my interest either and I'm not saying that because I'm not like no a, no no I get uh, true uh, you know what I mean uh, no but it, it knew it was cool so he's like here's the bike I put it in my trail he's like. I'll be back in a month. Think about it. Right? I get in the car. I call my brother Jason. And my brother Jason's like an old school guy. He likes old old stuff. That's his thing. Right? right. And I respect it because that, that's what he loves. So I call him up and I'm like, Jay, this guy wants to trade me a 1916 Harley Davidson. That's like a JD or something, isn't it? I think. I don't even know. I think it is a JD. <laughs> it's the first year. I, I, I think it's the first year of twin, but I'm probably wrong. So I don't want to sit here and tell you what knowledge about this thing. Right? So I tell my brother Jay, he, no way, no way. And my brother Jay's like, so dramatic. He's like, no way. And I can see him cross his hands going like that on the phone with me, right? And uh, I'm like, I'll call you when I go home. I go, when I get home, I'll FaceTime and send you pictures. I'm like, I want, I, and I told him, I'm like, I'll fly you to Florida. Tell me if I should do this deal or not. You know what I mean? So I get the bike, I unload it. And my brother Jay tells me, he's like, take the tank off, check the case numbers. So like, all the case numbers match. The frame, the frame matches the motor. The case has never been blown because both side case numbers match each other, right? He's like, you're an idiot if you don't do this deal, right? Mm -hmm. And I end up doing it. <clears throat> so I sell this car. I give this car to this dude, right? right? Which I don't want to do. Right. For this 1916 Harley, right? So the day he's picking it up on a Saturday, I'm driving it Friday night, coming home from my buddy's house, and I launch the motor on the highway. If <laughs> Spin a, I spin a battery, right? Was it a, a inline six? No, no. I put a, I had a, uh, a 400 small block Chevy in it, right? Oh, kinky. All right. So I spin a bearing in the lower end. I park it at night at my house and I was drinking. So um, I woke up the next morning. I come outside. I stopped the car up. I'm like, it was a dream. You didn't blow, you didn't fuck, you didn't mess up your car. <laughs> like the thing's running around the right? I get in, I give it a little gas. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I called this guy up, and long story short, like I called this guy up and said, hey, I blew the motor, blah, blah, blah. I put another motor. So I rebuilt the motor, and in two weeks, I turned around and put a new motor in the car, fixed it, gave it to him, right? So this dude calls me like four months after giving this car, right? 
And he goes, you have the title to the Harley at this point and everything. I, I had, yeah. So deal. I had a buddy of mine, Steve, that worked for the registry. I had a title for that, for that bike three days after I took possession of the bike. Cause the guy didn't have the title for the bike. So this dude did some magic. Probably shouldn't talk about that online. But anyways, <laughs> I have a, a legit title for this bike. This 1916, right? So the guy calls me one night, months later, and he goes, hey, man. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm walking home. I just got to jail. He's like, you need to come get this car. My crazy old lady's going to wreck this car if you don't come get it. It's sitting on the front lawn of my house right. in, in Mayaka. So I drive out to Mayaka, and there's just grass growing around this car. It's in the front yard of this house. On a main road, and there's grass growing around my car, right? So I bring a jump pack. I jump stop the car. The, I wait for the compressors to fill up the tanks. I lift it up, and I, you know, I ride out. So I bring it to my house. It sits in my house for, like, two months. And this dude calls me up, and he's like, dude, I just bought that plum crazy purple Challenger. Mm -hmm. And he goes, if you give me five grand today, you can have your car back. So technically, I bought that 1916 Harley Davidson for five thousand dollars, dude. And Jody Parrow That's probably a fifty or sixty thousand dollar bike. All right. So here's the funny story. <clears throat> I called Dave Parrow the other day and I asked him. I said, "Hey, man, what do you think my bike's worth?" And he goes, "Ah, you know, Corey, ah, uh, you know, the Boston accent, right?" <laughs> I can see. Yeah. Ah, uh, you think maybe thirty-five to forty grand, right? So I'm driving to Atlanta a couple weeks ago and I called Jody. And uh, I didn't know she was in California for the Meekum show right. they were just doing. And uh, she's like, yo, it's 3 in the morning here, you know? And I'm like, oh, I'm on my way to Atlanta. <laughs> so we start talking, and she's like, I can't sleep. The time zone different, blah, 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 blah. So we start talking, and, and I brought up that conversation I had with her father about these old bikes. She's like, oh, my dad don't know old bikes, what the prices are, right? So she FaceTimes me during the Meekum show, and she goes, Corey, this is the same bike as yours going over the thing now. The thing goes for $125,000 over the board. And I was like, shit, like, that's crazy. Like, this thing is sitting upstairs. I have a double-stecker house, like, right. two stories. Yeah, I've been doing so it. So <clears throat> we've carried that thing upstairs and couple, uh, downstairs a couple times. And I brought it. It sits upstairs in one of my spare bedrooms, and which is crazy, right? And my buddy Thor, he was, uh, he was an HA from Portugal. Super cool dude, and he sat at my house, and he was just like, "I, dude, he slept next to that bike that night on the floor, right? Right. And the next morning, I could tell at breakfast, he's like, dude, he was like, I forgot what he, he calls me, some bullshit name, right? <laughs> um, but he goes, fucking sell all your fucking big wheel bags, and you never sell this thing, right? Right. And he loves that bike because it's a, pe a piece of history. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, there's people that would pay a fuck ton of money just to have that thing sitting in their living room just like you got it sitting in a bedroom. No, and, and it's crazy. So uh, uh, the last year of the V-Twin show, which I, I hate that it's gone. I do too. I wish we could fucking replicate it. That's, what I'm, that's my goal for Lakeland, right. just so you know. I mean, eventually, that's what I want to have. I want it to be all full of industry people. Right. You know, that's why I'll tell you when we get a little bit further down, I'll tell you right. what my plan is this year and, and how we're, we're well, that that's my goal for my show. And we'll talk about that, too. Like, that's what I like industry people like. I always go back to that's the V-Twin show. Levels go like crazy oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm banging on my paperwork because I need to, like, follow orders here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, so, like, my deal like with that is, like, I've, I've always loved the V-Twin show. I thought it was amazing. Dude. And I when I used it. to go there with Perowitz, 
you know, where I used to work for Dave, like when the Lip Nicky lock, people were doing skateboard stuff. Mm -hmm. Everybody had like the double decker platforms and drinking kegs. Yep. I thought it was cool, you know? So that being said, like I. Are you talking about Cincinnati? Yeah. 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 Me that was, you. I fucking miss that shit, man. Right. No, it was the best. So everybody talks shit about these big wheel baggers and whatever, you know, you can say what you want about it. Like, I don't, I don't care, man, if it's a 26 or a 30 and you can say whatever you want about them. You can like them. You can hate them. But one thing about me is I ride my bikes. I ride my bikes every year to Sturgis. I'm not some poser. I don't put my stuff in a trailer. And that's not, I've never, you know, dude, I bagged on, you know, I bag on the bagger thing. Just like I bag on the, dude, I'm a chopper guy. I right. think everybody fucking knows that. Yep. I bag on chopper guys. I mean, it's the same thing. I clown on fucking clowns. If you're right. clown shoes, you're fucking clown shoes. You're right. You're right. To me, the bag, the big wheel bagger thing, and, and I don't know if Cody's got us on mute or what if he's still with us, but he, you know, he's built a couple. He's got one. Right. And uh, to me, they're the choppers of 2012, 13, 4. I mean, you know, it's got it. That got us through to where we're at now. But anyways, my point of my conversation, real quick, I'm gonna hit my point, and then you can talk shit, right? My point is, in 1916. They had 28-inch wheels on Harley-Davidson's, okay? They were delivering mail on 20-inch wheels, okay? We're in 2020. Why can't I ride a 26- or a 30-inch wheel bike to Sturges? But in 1916, they were riding 28s around. You can. But and I my do. point is, yeah, you you can and you do. And and you've got a big wheel bagger, too. And, and I, dude, I don't have any problem with anyone who is a quality person, does quality work. But I, I don't... I don't like anyone who clowns. I mean, you've how many fucking choppers, and it's more than the baggers you've worked on, but how many choppers came through your shop, Cody? How many choppers came through your shop, Corey, yep. when you worked at Parowitz or at, at, at Corey Sue's Originals? They were fucking built by some fucking asshole who got into the business because he put uh, the name Chrome or Chopper after his fucking name, went and, whether he rented a place or didn't rent a place, and got a fucking setup with a drag account, and he's fucking gone. But that's that's social media today. That's what they. That's but what that stuff media. happened back then too. It it's did. Just, it's now it's it's, it's we're way, so immediate. Right. It's way it's worse so now because it is. it's way worse because anybody can have, can make a Facebook or Instagram account for nothing, and be, and pretend like there's somebody, but they're nothing. That's what I'm saying. It's, the, it's so that that circles back around. Well, it doesn't circle back around, but it's something that I definitely wanted to touch on with you guys tonight. Was that. I've, ne you know, and I was talking to you about it a little bit earlier, and, and Cody knows what I'm going to say is I don't give up. I, I learned real early on that I'm not Jesse James. I'm not Billy Lane. I'm not Warren Lane. I'm, well, Warren's not even a good example of that. Um, to some degree, Perowitz and, and Russell, these guys that sold more T-shirts, right. you know what I mean, than anybody ever will. Yep. They were popular. They set the trend. Their bikes, you know, whether their bikes, you like their bikes or don't like their bikes doesn't matter. I played at the back of the room. Yeah. I always have. I always will. It mm -hmm. means more to me that I'm friends with you and that I'm friends with Cody and that I'm friends with Steven, Steve from Stevenson Cycle and I'm friends with Bill Dodge from Bling Cycle. And it, that that's what, I, that's what means more to me than anything because I've seen so many of these other assholes come and go. And so I'm very verbose and outspoken and I come across as an asshole and, and I probably say things I shouldn't yeah. say. But <laughs> you're being honest. There's nothing wrong with being honest. I am being honest. honest. And, you know, and I, you know, when I call somebody out on it, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm right. Right. And I think I'm not just speaking for myself. Right. No. And I agree with that a hundred percent, man. Like I think that there's too many people in this industry and I know Cody, you'll agree with this, that 
they're standoffish. It's like they build one or two bikes and they think that like they're the shit because they built one or two bikes. All right, how about building 20 or 30 of those bikes and recreate yourself every time you build a bike and build that other customer a better bike than the bike you built before that and get the respect from the industry that you want to get. It's That's tough. the thing is, and there's, there's people out there right now that are having a, an immense amount of success, but they're not doing the work. You know what? And I say this, it was built in my house. No, it was, no, it's the saying it's, it was built in my shop. It's built in house, just not my house. Oh, I got you. All right. So you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's so many dudes that I know and they, they're friends of mine and all this other stuff. And they claim this and this and this. It's like, dude, I've been to your place. You didn't know you know how to work a lathe. You know what I mean? Like you've been to other shops. I've been to other people's shops. And, um, I hate that people, in this industry think that they do all this stuff when their stuff is being built somewhere else, but they're just staking claim. Like they did that stuff. Okay. So Cody and I talk about this all the time. This is one of our favorite things to talk about. Well, it, it, whether it's our favorite or not to talk about, it comes up in conversation. It's built in my house. just not my house. Right. So it's built. <laughs> how do you, uh, how many people do you think, honestly, what do you, what do you consider a bike builder? Give me the definition of a bike builder. I think a bike builder to me is okay. Here's a bike builder to me. A bike builder puts a bike together, okay, and can ride his bike or ride his customer's bikes across country. And if something happens, you fix that on the side of the road and you keep it moving. You know what I mean? I That's one thing about me, and, and I have no ego, and I just got bashed on Facebook recently because I said I have no ego, but I'm going to say this. And they're like, well, if you didn't have an ego, you wouldn't say that shit. But I'm going to say this. For five years now, I build bikes every year and I bring five or six people with me on the, my custom bikes and we yeah. ride to Sturgis every year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tell me another dude in this industry right now that's doing that. Okay. Cause I want to be, I want to be the RLNS. I want to be the Dave Perowitz. I want to be the Donnie Smith guys that used to drive those diggers with like quarter inch tube framing. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I want to be that guy <laughs> that built something cool and I rode across country. And I ride every single one of my bikes. And, you know, of course they break, dude. Electri electrical shit happens. Air shock stuff happens and stuff like that. And I fix them on the side of the road. It's the adventure on the way to where I'm trying to get to be. But I fix my stuff. And it happened last weekend. I, I blew a voltage regular in my soft tail. But I fixed in the parking lot. And I rode home. My, my thing that I want to take away, what I want people to take away from this with me is that, um, first of all, it's, my daughter is starting to run this learn how to run the company now, yep. right? So this company has some some legs. Like yep. my dad and I started it, so she's officially. I mean, I think that makes her officially third generation in the bike business, right? Yep. Um, but I want somebody at some point in time. Somebody rolls one of these bikes in that I that I did, and someone recognizes what it was and, and what it is, and you know, like that old Don. There's a Donnie Smith bike back in the shop that has been rode hard and put away wet yep. God knows how many times yep. somebody's going to end up with that and they're going to realize what it is and they're going to take it down to the frame and they're going to redo it and it's going to be, yep. it is what it is. That's what I mean. When I say I'm playing to the back of the room, if you're, if somebody, if my name comes out of somebody's mouth around you and you're like, ah, that's not you're you're that's that, that dude's this or that dude's yep. that he, you know, I, I, I want to be, I want to earn the respect of the people that are in my peer group. And you know, when I say what a bike builder is to me is, it's kind of like what you said is I think it's somebody you lock in a room with enough tools and enough raw parts that they can ride a motorcycle out the other side. Right, I and and I don't know that I'm there yet. I don't consider myself a bike builder. I 
do stuff. I mean, I've put bikes together. I mean, other people have, have commented to that, but I mean, I think there's probably very few people that you could lock in a room and they could build their own frame. Yeah. They could build their own engine. They could build their own trans. They could build, you know, Warren Lane. I've been in his shop. That dude can fucking do everything in his shop. Oh, he's super talented. Dude, I went in the, the last time I was down there a few months ago. Um, we were doing, I don't even remember what I was down there for. Oh, I was getting that FXR back from him. Yeah. Because I, I traded in my dad's uh, shovel head for that FXR. And uh, he was like, you know, I was hanging out. And he's like, do you want me to, I, you want to learn about knuckleheads? And I was like, yeah. And he gave me a whole fucking clinic. I know more about knuckleheads than I would have learned fucking three of them up. And I, I I can honestly tell you, I haven't wrenched on one. But right. that dude gave me a clinic that day that I remember. I know what a diving board is. I know he told, and he was, the one thing that got me about him was he's, you know, he's real even tempered if you've ever talked to him. I have, yeah. He doesn't, he's not elevated ever. And he says, you know, when I built my first one and he pointed to the picture on the wall, he goes, I, I, he put it together with, uh, you know, precise measurements and real tight tolerances. He goes, I didn't know that a knucklehead likes to be loose. It needs three and a half piston to wall, you know, three and a half thousands piston to wall clearance. And it needs the rocker arms to have, you know, two and a half thousands clearance. He goes, I put everything to the tight tolerances like a shovel head or an Evo. And he goes, and it locked up. Right. But he had, he had, when you talk about ego and not having one, he was able to dial it back enough to tell me like, you know, it, it fucked up on him and I fucked up and I learned and, and that dude's a fucking ruler. Oh yeah. Do you see the bike he just posted this week? I didn't see it. You see it, Cody? Cody I have not seen he's it. He's muting us and unmuting us. He he posted on his page a bike that he's been building the last couple of times I've been out there. It it's identifiable from a mile away that it's his, but it's yeah. fucking sick, man. And he builds so many of the parts on there, and he tries to fix things before they break, yeah. and that's what I really like about him. No, he builds a killer bike. That STP bike to me is. One of my favorites and the one you get sitting on your wall here. What do you call that? That's El Rey. Okay, that's sick. That's the king. Yeah, no, it's the king. And, and I remember he rolled that into a show when I was working for Paro at the time. And I was like, that thing is bananas. Like, it's crazy. Like, and I don't have that. I, I wish I had that skill. I'm not I don't. A, I'm don't not a fabricator a at all. I'm a fan. You're not a fabricator? I don't. I don't. I don't shape metal or uh, burn metal at all. I just know what I want. And I tell people to do it. Like, I tell someone to do it the way I want to do it. So you I, have the vision, right? I have a vision. I know what I want with paint. And Ryan's my painter. Ryan Hathaway is, like, by far, like, the sickest painter I've ever dealt with. Like, he's awesome. I just know going into a build, I see it in my head. I know what I want fab for me. And I get it, you know, I get it done in-house. We do all our fab table, uh, you know, our fabbing in-house. We have a frame table. We right. make the frames. I know what the rake and trails, and uh, you know, it has to be on a bike. And I know what has to be built right to make it work. Well, you you can identify what, what if it's correct or not. It, 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 I just never took a lesson, I guess, in welding and fabricating. I just know what I want, and I tell people how to do it. And I know rake and trail numbers, like I said, and I just, like... Crispy, like I knew what I wanted with that, and like all we built the frame, we built a tank, we built in the cell. It's all made out of steel. The front fender is aluminum. The chin spoil is all steel. We made all those parts in house. I just know what I want, but I just I'm I'm not a fabricator either. I'm a cobbler. I mean, I can I can TIG weld at a at a fairly high level when it comes to mild steel yeah. and and uh, and stainless. I can I'm a half ass machinist, but like Cody can build. Cody shapes metal. 
He's got a full he's got a full complement of metal shaping tools in his garage. He makes his own tanks and shit. He hasn't done it in a long time. Which he's, is cool and I, I do I applaud that. And I'm just like but I'm like, hey, we're being real right now. I'm telling you right now, on live air, I'm not a fabricator. I'm not gonna be that fake dude that's like, Oh yeah, I did that shit in the house. Yeah, I did it myself. Right? I'm not that guy. That's okay. But that's okay. I mean that's that's the respectable part of it is that you're not trying to fake the funk. I mean, Jason said I'm a metal shaper. He he is he has got that really skewed. I own some metal shaping equipment and I can beat some shit up, but I am by no means I mean, I'm I still pay and go to classes and 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 learn i mean i'm still learning a trade like i said before no, you never stop consider- learning that that doesn't no no away. but I, but i don't consider myself a bike builder i don't consider myself there's a lot of other people that do there. well but i'm a fan that's i love motorcycles i love working with them or on them i love doing things to them and i'm still going to ask other people for help i'm still going to call other shops i'm still going to and not you know Corey. do don't call me but just <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I'm, it's okay to, to not be able to, to weld or not be able to paint or to, to not be the, I mean, I'm not a great engine builder. I'd rather call R&R and let R&R, I mean, I can put a cam in a motor or put cams in a twin cam or, but I don't know shit about knuckleheads. I mean, and to be honest with you, I don't care if I ever learn anything about knuckleheads. I'm just not, no. that's not me. I just, that's not where I want to be. Uh, and, and I'm okay with it. And I'm. The I'm engine building thing is something that I want. I I strive to learn more and more and more. Like I can build an engine. The, the, I've only done. Uh, I don't have the correct tools here in house yeah. to do the crankshafts. So I that's the only part that I I sub that and the machine work out. But other than that, I mean, I put my engines together here, and on the late model twin cams, you know, anything 06 and up. Well, actually, oh oh four and up. I do everything in house. You know you. That's what we do. Call we up do. Dark Horse. You buy a crankshaft. Yeah. Or, and, and I find that almost every time I take a twin cam down to the, the oil pump, that the, that the crank is fucked. They're always the, fucked. The run out is you fucking way too high. You always just check the run out. And yeah, as soon as I check the run out, I'm like, <laughs> right. I shouldn't have checked the run It's like oil. when my car, my race car used to overheat, I just would put tape over the, the water temperature gauge. <laughs> <laughs> but so you check the run out and it's over three and a half thousands and it's fucking garbage. So... We use dark horse stuff a lot too. Yeah. If the customers got the cash and they want to, they want top of the line shit, I'll do right. the dark horse stuff. But like Cody was saying, the R and R stuff. Have you done anything with the R and R motors? Um, I just actually got a bike in um, building for a hamster friend of mine, um, Bill Ratcliffe. He had his motor done at R and R, and you know, um, <laughs> I don't want to talk shit, okay? Because I mean, I'm talking shit. But I looked at the ports and the heads, and I just don't agree with it. Like. I don't know if it was the exhaust or the intake, the intake, the intake that was super smooth. And it, as far as I know, you don't want that intake super smooth. You want to have a little grittiness to it. You know what I mean? Uh, there's there's two different schools of thought on that. I will yeah. tell you, there's two different schools of thought on that. And the lately, lately, the guy who does my sonar heads is a guy named John Sachs. Yep. He's in Deltona. And uh, he did a lot of the original stuff for the Hertz rental cars, the GT350s for Shelby. He did a lot of development on those cars and stuff. Yep. The guy's a, he's just an old dude that knows a lot of shit and he does really good cylinder head work. And Mackie does his stuff really smooth too, I've noticed. So yeah. I think it has to do with the, the velocity of the port and how big that port is and how short it is, that it right. doesn't really matter. Like yeah. in a car, you don't want yeah. them smooth. I know that for a fact. Right. Because it, it'll puddle in, 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 the, uh, in there. What's that? But on inje- injected motors versus carbureted motors, 
when you want your your intake ports to be different? Uh, yeah, because, because in an injected a, motor, a, you're you're inject you're not injecting it yeah, really into yeah. the intake as much. So on a on a carbureted motor, you want it to be rough so that it atomizes the fuel going into the intake. Right, but the the fuel injectors they atomize it themselves. Yeah, you're kind right. You, that's what I'm right saying. That. You're increasing I, the I'm port velocity. Like, Right. right. So, so uh, on on my R and R motor, right. my 124, when I ordered the motor, I said they asked me carbureted or injected, and I said carbureted. And so my ports on this these R and R heads I have are, I, I won't say that they're rough, but they are not polished uh, by any stretch. So, so I the, wonder if it's a difference. I mean, it's a, so it, the bike I have is carbureted and it's super smooth. Really? So that yeah, threw me it threw me off. Well, a little no, bit. that's a good observation, and it's worth having a conversation about. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I agree. And like, and then like the ports on the heads of my my Road King mm-hmm. are total opposite of that. And who did the heads on Crispy? It was a local guy that worked at Harley Davidson, and um, honestly, like I can't even tell you his name right now. How big is that motor? It's just a one hundred seven. But really? I'll tell you, it's a one hundred seven, and this is the. And my brother's in a heavy right now. And I'm going to talk some shit real quick. But so on the way to, we went to the foliage run last year, Paris foliage run. And uh, my brother, Jay, I call him up and he wants to have a cookout for us, which is cool. He's right. got a shop there, which I, I, I dig it. He's more into that performance bagger shit. And I mean, stuff. And um, <laughs> um, so um, we got there and we, you know, we ride our bikes and we went out for a ride and then we come back to do the cookout that he had for us. And next thing I know, his crew is calling out, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him. Oh, so you guys know it's fucking on. It's like, on, it's on. And, and we, listen, we are light to light guys. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't bait. I don't, I don't give a shit how nice my bike is. I'll someone to race anybody who wants to race me and we're light to light guys. So we went down to the Taunton Industrial Park, which is my stomping grounds where I used to race my car. It's a quarter mile sanctioned, like legit deal. And uh, it was cool because like Perroach was there and like my brother was there and there was a bunch of, there was a ton of people there to watch us all race. Right. And I bring the eye candy because like all my bikes are super flashy with paint. And then he's got his bikes, which. We're, you know, they're cool, but they like they got the carbon fiber this and carbon fiber that shit. You know what I mean? They got the Curtis Hoffman kit on them. Yeah. So, uh, so, <laughs> so the funny thing is, and John put it on Facebook and we videotaped it. This, this kid, you know, I know he's kind of a newbie rider and I've been riding for a long time. And Crispy's got a 30 inch wheel on the front. It's a lay frame bagger and it's got a 107 in it. Well, this dude's got. MJK's four thousand dollars swing arm on his bike. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Was he's it the got, blue bike? What? Was it blue? It was blue on the front and carbon fiber in the rear. He's got an SNS 124 kit in it. He's got carbon Brock's carbon fiber wheels on it. He's he drank the Kool-Aid and bought that twenty thousand dollar Olin's front suspension Ooh. on it, right? Which it, to me, that's like putting a Ferrari motor in a and a Ford uh Taurus, pretty much to me, right? So we line up three times, and I give it to him three times in a row. But that one hundred and seven <laughs> cooked him down. So, I mean, I don't, that whole performance bagger thing and and bike thing to me, it, it doesn't make sense. I uh, like the look of them, but I'll tell you why I like the look of them. I think they look like muscle cars to me, right? I, I think they've got that muscle car look to them to some degree. All right, so can I can I ask you? 
Like, Corey's like, I'm gonna, uh, like, I'm right, like, like this say, motherfucker no, no, is I, an idiot. Listen, and, like, and I love, I, I like Curtis Hoffman, and I love what he does, and I know like he made he made his mark in this industry by bu- building the first lay frame 26 inch Road King, and I rode it. He let me ride it, mm-hmm. and I love Curtis when he built those cool bikes because like that was Curtis to me. He was a mini trucking guy, and they did this thing with that, and. I know talking with Curtis that like he hates that so many people got into the big wheel backer thing. So he wants to recreate himself and do something different. Why does he hate that? That doesn't make any sense. It's just how, that's just how, like, that's how he is with it. He doesn't like it because there's too many people building it. So he doesn't want to keep being repetitive and doing the same thing. But to me, and I say this in the up due respect, that I think that that whole carbon fiber rear end thing to me looks like that you were at a traffic light and someone rear ended you and you threw that shit on the back of your bike, but the front of your bike's painted. And I just don't see spending three or four grand on carbon fiber and then painting the rest of your bike one color to shave seven pounds off your bike. It just doesn't make sense to me because it's just like. I said with all due respect. I did, and I'm not being mean, <laughs> and I hate because I feel like I'm being mean because I don't want to be mad at me, dude. I'm just saying, like, that's how I, I feel about Curtis it. I don't think Curtis Hoffman is going to listen to my podcast, but that's I right. hope he does, and I'm just saying, like, I'm not – I just don't get with that whole uh, performance bagger thing, and then I'm calling out the challenge right now. I will meet any performance bagger guy at any show, at any rally, anytime he wants, and I will whoop their ass with one of my bikes. Well, here's the thing. It's funny you say that. When I got to the performance show, uh, which Jeff Jeff Holt is a, I, I love Jeff Holt, and so I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out who Mad Jeff is. I don't. I, what y'all? All I'm gonna say is, that. all I'm gonna say is this real quick, real quick. Power tour, whatever it was. What would they call that shit? For the hot rod. Hot okay, rod hot, rod tour. Tour. hot rod tour. Hot rod tour. In five days, we're gonna ride 250 miles. I was like, Are you kidding me, dude? Like. We ride thousands of miles to go to Sturgis every year. So I got to build a bike that can only go 250 miles. All right, check. Seven days, 250 miles. Got it. Okay, so well, so this will play to that point then. Okay. This will play to that point. When we got to his, his uh, B-Twin Visionary show on Monday, which <clears throat> that's part of the other problem that I have with the bagger guys, and I'm going to lump you in there right now. I'm not a bad guy. I know, but I don't see you at these other shows. You don't, you don't, I don't see you at these other shows. I don't. You know, I mean, you and I are, are as good of friends as I am with anybody else in this industry. Yep. You know, to, to to peripherally, I mean, you know, Cody and I are, are are super close. But as far as another bike shop guy or another bike builder, I'm not closer with any other bike builders than, than you. And you, you don't, I don't see you at the shows that I go to. Right. right. I get that. So what I'm getting at is that Jeff grabbed me when we got there and he's like, hey, he started interviewing me over the loudspeaker. And he's like, you know, you've been doing this, the performance stuff for a while. I, I'm, I'm a drag racer. At heart, right? And, and I like are. I like fucking I like bikes that have way more horsepower and way more torque than they can put on the ground. I'm not a wheelie guy. I'm not a stunt guy. I respect those guys, but I, I'm You're not like to like fucking guy. do. Yeah, I want to fucking dude. I blaze the fuck out of that Dyna. I blaze the fuck out of my last super glide. Cody will tell you when we were coming back from the broken spoke on a couple years ago. I was on my super glide fucking just dude. I drive it like it owes me money. Yeah, I get that. And so he's Jeff, driving, I, he's riding my bike like it owed him money. Dude, like, I don't uh, think Cody's gone as fast on that orange bike as I went. My eyelids were going. <laughs> I was dude. It was going way past my glass. He's like. Like he's like, go ahead, ride it, man. I was like, I went, and I passed probably, I'm not kidding, I probably passed 15 motorcycles there on that on that right. road, come back from County Line, as fast as that fucking bitch would go. I had that thing pinned for a minute. 
Sounds um, like my Friday night. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm fucking well, so um, Jeff asked me, he's like, what do you think we need to do? And I said, this is a performance show. I think there needs to be a fucking performance part of it. Let's race these motherfuckers. Let's line this shit up. Who can fucking fat? Who can? Who can? How fast can you go? Like quick. Like, let's let's drag race. And we don't have to go. We don't even have to go a thousand feet. Let's go with 300. Let's do a 300 foot fucking run because the launch is where it's at. That's where you lose that race. Yeah. Right. Well, I said, let's do that. Let's fucking put up some cones. Let's see who can break fucking yeah. these assholes. I agree with you. There's some kids out there that are fucking spending some God awful amount of money. And I think that same dude that you're talking about showed up at the, the, the between visionary show. Yeah. He did there good was, with it. John, there was some fucking conflict because he had a bunch of MJK parts on it. And Jeff and, uh, Matt Jap had just had their fucking yeah, they're, yeah. they're falling out. He but, pretty much had every MJK part on the bike possible. That, yeah, that I'm sure it's the same bike that Cody and I saw there. You know what? And there's some talk, and I don't, and I'm, and I might be wrong by saying this because it was someone said it to me. You know how things change, trickle right. down the fact, but supposedly like, um, Gastown Diners or Gastown or New California, whatever the, the crew is. Someone said that. In this year in Sturgis, that they're going to rent the track and set up an eighth mile to race in Sturgis this year. And I hope, I pray that is true because I want to be there with our big wheel bikes and play with these dudes. I want to see a big wheel bagger fucking pop a wheelie. I really do. I don't know if it can be done or not, but I I don't want to pop a wheel because I don't want to rip my bags off. I want to but I, I want how fucking launch. rad would that be though? It'd be, be crazy. Honest. It'd, It'd be, be crazy. cool, right? You like you pop a wheelie, you break your fender and bags off, but you still win the race. <laughs> and then you Kendall call your Johnson, painter, right? Kendall Johnson's son popped a wheelie on a twenty-six inch bike. Yeah, I didn't see that. That the black yeah, that, that was a twenty-six. I videotaped it. Was bl- yeah. he was? I didn't know that was yeah. a twenty. Okay, I didn't know it was a twenty-six. Yeah. I redacted right. that yeah, from yeah. the record. And that um, wasn't that wasn't a that was, I don't think that was like a clutch wheel either. I think that was a no. That bike made three hundred horsepower. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. You know, Kendall Johnson's completely done. Zach Johnson's completely done. I heard that completely out of the fucking business. They're so tired of he's all like the bullshit. He's like a lineman now, isn't he? Yeah, or a firefighter was some, he a lineman? I, I, firefighter? I thought doing something like electrician or some shit, but he's not not no motorcycle stuff. And that's how about pro- that? And listen, that's the problem with this industry today, man. I'm telling you right now, it's social media, it's Facebook, it's Instagram. That dudes like that dude that build big motors and and known for doing his thing, and I'm known for doing my thing, and you're known for doing your thing, and Cody's known for doing this thing. It's the social media aspect is wiping us out because because they have more likes and followers. They're going to some other bullshit shop down the road that doesn't know what they're doing, but they have 10,000 followers, so let's go to him. Well, and you look at guys like, let's take the podcast for a second. Right? I started doing this eight years ago. Yeah. And all the episodes, I've only taken one episode down. It was it was a shitty episode, and I took it Who was down. was it with? It was a company called Race Dine, and the guy, it wasn't a motorcycle podcast, really. The guy made a set of... You remember the rocker boxes that were called Shevel rocker boxes? They look yeah. like shovel heads. Yeah. Well, I had a set of those. The guy sent me, uh, I had a setup we put on a customer's bike. They leak like a fucking stuck pig. Yeah. I could never get them to stop leaking. Well, the guy called me and, and he had his twin cam ones and he sent me the prototype twin cam ones. I put them on my fucking bike. I rode it two miles. It was fucking leaking. I'm not having that shit. They're cool looking. They're cool looking. Tyler from Sick Pipes has a set on, on his bagger. And uh, which one, the brown bike? The brown bike, yeah. That bike was sick. I, that bike fucking killed I'm a Tyler it. Fan, I man. loved that yeah, bike. I'm I thought that was a fan. chopper straight up. That Tyler was a chopper. Tyler built some cool. He's a nice guy too. He's a nice guy. He's 
OCD as fuck, but like, like I love him, man. Like he builds a killer bike. I love his style. He's a one man shop, man, and he does it on his own, dude. Like he's, he's a, just chill he's a bike too. builder. Yeah, he's a bike builder. He's, he's a, a nice builder. guy, and he's in the business and he's doing it right. I mean, you know, he builds stuff for other people. But um, I've totally lost my fucking train of thought. What was I saying? Uh, talking about um. Viagra and some other shit. I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Took me off with it, dude. <laughs> no, we were talking. About, what was I saying, Cody? Cody's gone. He's working out. Cody's gone. He's working out. Where's Cody? Try to lose. No, someone. he's still there. Is that? Did you send me? Tell me that's him. That's Cody. I sent you that picture. I wanted to no, send no, it to he, John. No, I thought I had your. He, I thought I had your no, number. No, Cody. You used to fucking bleach your hair, son, dude. You used to bleach your yeah. hair. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I ain't got no shame in my gameplay. Hey, all right. So I see you like a month ago cutting three lines in your sideburns and looking like a boss. And I'm over here looking at you wearing a white beater with sweat pits and a bleach blonde hair. Yeah, I I sent you that because he made that. I think that's the one he the the bike that he made the tank on. That's one of them. Yeah, you were you were talking about race down rocker boxes in the podcast that you believe. Oh, I was talking about the podcast. This is eight years old, but I I I pulled back from it because. It was impossible. It, it, it was hard. I didn't have the ability to do the face-to-face stuff, and I couldn't get guests. I would call people and say, hey, you want a podcast? And like, what's that? And I would explain it to them. They're like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. One of the podcasts I did with Darren Williams, he says, uh, so what are we going to – we're just going to talk for an hour? I said, yeah, we're just going to talk for an hour. And he was just like, okay. People, he goes, people listen to this? I'm like, yeah, they, a lot of people listen to it. And so I basically parked this for a few years, and when I wanted to do it, I would do it. Cody and I did a couple of them, and then now I just spent twenty five hundred bucks, so I'm going to do a hundred of them this year. But Better. but what I was getting to, I I know what we're talking about. What I was talking about is people; these kids go out and they fucking they got no business, they got no, they don't know anybody, but they have a podcast that gets fucking ten thousand downloads a month, and they're getting, you know, they're getting flown around the world. They're getting everybody's fucking on their jock, and you know, the thing I hate about like. And I'm not going to say about podcasts, but the thing I hate about like social media podcasts and this stuff is like, to me, it's, you're not like, you're not getting a real deal, man. You're not getting. That's why I'm doing this this yeah, way. You're not getting what really goes on in real motorcycle shops, man. You're like a fly, like there's too many fly by night people, man. You're getting, you're getting burnt. You're buying this bike and you're paying full ball price. And that's what. One thing in my shop that I get all the time is they go to somebody else and they build a bike. Say they build a bike for 50 grand with this other guy, right? right. And they ride it. Like, 50 fucking thousand dollars. Yeah. That blows my, you know that blows my mind. I've only right. done that one time. Right. And I've never, I've never done it in my life, okay? okay. So then we look at I pictures on your phone now. earlier from other shops, okay? Yeah. And... Those people come to my shop and now they were like, hey, I didn't want to come here before because I thought you were more money than you were and now I want you to fix this. And the problem I have with this industry is like they want us to fix somebody else's problem, but that person that built that bike already got all their money in full advance. Like, oh, I got my money, right? So now they're going to pay me to fix the other guy's deal, but they want a deal from me. Why do I going to give that person a deal? No, there's no deal. And, but, and, 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 you know, I learned this from you. When we rode back uh, from Sturgis in 2016, right? Yeah. When Cody... We Cody, did a sex. We did a sex. Cody, uh, Cody and Angela just left me in Sturgis, basically, mm-hmm. at noon o'clock, kind of Friday. Right. Right? Just left me there. We're good friends. Hey, yeah. 
He gone. He gone. Yeah, and they, they I, I'm sitting at the Allstate booth with Courtney waiting for her to get off work to take me over to where you were, which was up where when Dave lived up there. And I want to talk about that too, but um Cody sent me a video of him and Angela stopping at lunch and getting getting a few sodas under their belt while they're on their way fucking home. I miss you. Right. <laughs> but um the power of pussy, my friend, it's undefeated. Oh, you're you're <laughs> damn straight. But we were talking about look, we sell squares of time. Yep. I get $80 an hour. What do you get at your shop? I was $65 an hour when I started. And then I That's was. I started at down here. Yeah. And I went to 85. And then one of my customers, um, Scott Willett, uh, I built a Louis Vuitton soft tail for. Mm-hmm. He owned a, uh, um, a Honda dealership in Atlanta. He's like, dude, if you're not 105, you're, you're a pussy. And I was like, all right. So I turned it up to 105. And you've lost no business out of it. I don't lose any business out of it, man. And, and like, I told you yesterday, Jason, to go to a hundred an hour. You, you need to, because like Harley <laughs> Davidson's way more than us, and they got MMI monkeys that are billing out for a hundred and twenty dollars an hour. So why wouldn't they want people like me, you, and Jason working on that bike that we've been doing this our whole lives? Um, I pay people twenty dollars an hour to bring their bike over here to me. There you go. What do you mean? Fucking joking. Oh, okay. But I have to pay people twenty dollars an hour to come over here for me to work on their shit. Yeah. yeah so well. I'm, I'm one hundred five an hour now. I, I'm 80 still, and I and I'm I'm probably gonna gonna crank that up a little bit, but uh, for whatever reason, it's it's a little bit less over on this side of town. I mean, I probably have 40 bikes in my shop, you know. And I mean, I'm not again. I have no ego, and I'm not tooting the horn. It's just like we get a lot of bikes in my shop from other bike builders who say they're bike builders to fix their shit, and we do it all the time. Do you do service? I do service. So if um, someone wants their regular, they're fine. Oh yeah, I'm a, you can change. I'll change your oil. I'll change like I'll change your oil and change your tires. I'm still cheap in the Harley. Mm-hmm. And to me, my motto at my place is just because like like uh, let's just take an uh, like a 2018 Street Glide, Road Glide, whatever you want to call it. You know, whatever you want. Because Harley Davidson charges you eight hours to do a set of handlebars on that bike. Yeah, I do that shit in three hours. I charge three hours. Like, I don't do that. Cody just tipped off. I know he did. I felt that. I heard it. So I don't, because Harley, I've never been on that, because Harley Davidson charges eight hours to do this. But if I can do it in three hours, I charge a person three hours, man. I don't rip anybody off of my shop. I just, I do the right thing. I, you know, I, I, I think everything has to be based off of something. No, right? it does, I mean, so know. we use, we pay for a program that tells us, look, like, this is how much this should cost. This is how much this should cost. And I get that, but I can't base, I don't base my knowledge, what I do, off some kid from MMI. No, I get what you're saying. So, yeah. like, if Harley want, if Harley Davidson wants 10 hours to put a set of bars, eight hours, I, I, let me go back. If Harley Davidson wants eight hours to put a set of bars on a 2014 and newer, that's ridiculous. Glide, you can do ridiculous. those in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. It's ridiculous. But how about on a 2012 fucking ultra classic? Then it's an eight-hour job because you're changing the clutch cable, the brake lines. All day long. But you know on the newer bikes, uh, you can go up to 14-inch bars, especially from KSTs, and not change anything. I won't put on KSTs. Why not? You got beef? Not with them. It's just I don't think they finish the things on the inside of their bars enough, and I've I've gotten cables get cut. And then I'm sitting on fucking, well, you cut the cable. No, the bars that you bought cut the cable. So I'm not a KST dealer, so I guess he's he's not there. Uh, He'll call back in. But um, I'm 
I'm not hip to that, man. No, I'm not either. And I'm not. I know when you go to Harley Davidson and you want to put a set of uh, 12 inch bars on, they want to sell you the whole CVO harness. Like, dude, I just delete that green plug and I solder that shit together. Do you really? I do. I don't buy that whole CVO harness. I just solder it. I keep it. those twist grips in stock for that reason. Really? Yep. Well, I, you know what? I have a lot of customers that, believe it or not, dude, want fucking heated grips. I'm like, you live in Florida. No, no the, the green plug's not the heated grips. The no, white and black plug's the heated grips. I know, but... The, I keep that. Well, yeah, but a lot of the new ones don't... Um, most of the new bikes, don't they come with the CVO thing anyways, at the extended piece? They do, but like the, the green plug is just like the yeah. twist grip. I just... Like, when you're pulling it through the bars, if it comes unpinned a little bit, yep. it messes it up. I don't know. I just... My motto at my shop is, dude, I treat, treat people the way I want to be treated in life. So if it's important to you, it's important to me. Right. So I don't rip anybody off. So I keep track of my time. And if Harley wants 10 hours and I do it for three, I charge three. Wow. I'm just, that's the way I am. No, that's that's good. I have like a chart. Like I know what how long it takes like on a street glide or road glide. If it's 14 and up, I'll do bars for four hours. That's what I charge. I charge uh, four hours. Yep. If you got heated grips, I add an hour. Right. And because I know I'm gonna have to fiddle fuck with it, and right. I'm, you know, ultimately part of what you're paying for is is to have me be responsible for right. your bike, right? So I'm pretty mindful of that. I'm mindful of what, but I'm also I'm at an eighty and eighty an hour price point, right? You know. So the difference with me is I, once they come go to Harley and they call me and they're like, oh, you can do it four hours or eight hours. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So like, I then upsell them the levers to be chrome or black. Okay. Depending on the controls they want. And then I upsell my grips because I'm not going to cut that Harley grip off that's glued to the handlebar anyways. Yep. So I cut that grip off. I sell my grips. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to leave my shop with bars, custom levers, custom grips, and be happy at the same price they would have left Harley with stock levers, stock grips. You know what I mean? No, like, no I get it. There's there's something in there in upselling. And, I, and I, that's the way I was... I was brought up in sales was, you know, learn how to, you know, learn how to upsell yeah. so that you give customer options. Customers love options, right? Yep. Um, do you sell the factory 47 bars, LA choppers bars, the primate? What are you? Where, where I'm more, your... I'm a KST and a Yaffe guy. Really? Yeah. I can't even get yet. Where do you get Yaffe bars from? I know Paul, man. I don't know. Like, I know oh, Paul. fucking hamsters. Hamster shit. It's fucking hamsters. Hamster See, yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to get a fucking... No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Yaffe. The thing about, like, a, like a like Yaffe bars are... And... I love Yaffe's bars, yeah. but I couldn't get them consistently yeah. enough. So, I'm a factory... I've been selling factory 47s because they don't fucking... Disc- the other problem is, is fucking... I am... I'm tired of discounting shit because... I, here's something. You want to talk some shit? Here's yeah, some shit that I'm going to talk shit. right now. Okay. The Mag Group. Do you know what the Mag Group is, John? The Mag Group owns, they own Kuryakin. Performance Machine, Kiriakin, Mustang Seats, Burley, which used to be White Brothers, mm-hmm. Progressive yeah. Suspension. They own, they also own uh, JP Cycle. They also own uh, Biker's Choice Tuckeraki. So if I buy something from Biker's Choice and to put it in my store, I have to compete with JP Cycle at the same retail level. Okay, fair dues. Everybody's going to compete at the retail level. The manufacturer sets the price. I don't set the price. You don't set the price. You don't set the price, right? Yeah. So if you look in the catalog and something's supposed to be $499.99, that's what we should all be selling it for, right? Right. 
well, I don't want to fucking sell some. I buy something that JP Cycles is selling for three sixty nine that Performance Machine makes. So they're buying the raw materials. They're making the part. They're selling to themselves, paying themselves wooden nickels. And then they're retail, so they're manufacturing it and retailing it, and I have to compete with them, and I have to buy the shit from them. Right. And I have a problem with that. I do, I do too, and I tell everybody, like, people, I talk to people all the time. I was like, if you want to be in this industry, and I tell these dudes, like, that want to, they're like, they're like, oh, man, you you kill it. Like, oh, look at your bikes, blah, 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 right? If you're in this industry, you need to love this industry because it's the toughest industry in the world to be in because everybody is cutthroat, and... You need to, and I, and I go back to this is like know your builder, man. And all the people that I build bikes for, I talk to on a regular basis, yep. man. They become family with me, and there's not one. There's a couple of people. Well, there's uh, people. Everybody gets fucking. Everybody gets deleted out of the circle. No, there is, and there's honestly, there's only been one person in my life that's been deleted out of my out of my circle. Right. That I build bikes for. I talk to all my bike builders. I mean, my bike, my bike owners that I build bikes for, and um, and I'm there. You know what I mean? Like, they can call me on a Sunday. I'll answer my phone, and if they have an issue, you know what I mean? But, like, I hang out with my guys. I go on vacations with my peoples. Like, I do all that stuff with the yeah. people I do bikes for because it's a family. Hey, okay, we lost you. We, we got you back. All right. No, We're he, talking, he, he hung up on us. Yeah, hey, he hung up. He fucked hey, us off. Uh, I'm going to send you $20 for your uh, cell phone payment if you need some money for the bill, okay? If you would, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I got Every you. little bit helps, bro. Hey, Every little you, bit helps. Just text me your PayPal account. I'll send it to you right now. Rather. Okay. <laughs> he called me one time. He was uh, buying something off me, yeah. and I, he was like, uh, what is your PayPal? And so I texted him, baddest motherfucker on the planet at PayPal.com. This motherfucker sends like $500 to baddest motherfucker at PayPal, the baddest motherfucker on the planet at PayPal.com and locks the $500 up for like two weeks. I'm like, dude, I was kidding. I was waiting for a text back. Be like, be like, oh, yeah, okay, baddest motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, no, he's like, okay, sent. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, what you you saw the three lines. He cut his hair, his mink. You saw his cowboy boots. Why wouldn't he be the baddest motherfucker right now? Yeah, no, I, I told him I was the baddest motherfucker. I know, but you're playing with him because he oh, thinks yeah. you're the baddest motherfucker. Oh, yeah, right. When he's the baddest motherfucker. Oh, that's right. The dude's so fly for a white guy. Oh, he's more than fly than a white guy. <laughs> Pull it up. Oh, man. We were talking about... love. We were talking about um, when you're building a bike for somebody and, and, and you end up... You end up... They're in they're in your personal space for for that. They're, they're in your time. circle, man. You build a bike for somebody, and they come become family, and you always engage. It's not about just the bike at that point. Like you go on vacations with people, you go to the house, and they, you become friends because it's a it's a marriage. I think it's a marriage. Like, listen, it's like to me, it's like a bike. When I build a bike, it's like a kid, and I put my kids out in the streets. Right, and I want. <laughs> I know keep it's them goddamn babies out the street. I know. I, <laughs> I know it's fucked up, but like. It's my kids, and I put my kids out there, and I hope that the people that I give my kids to, they take care of that kid. Yeah, and like when mentality. it comes back in, I service the kid. Is that weird? No, yeah, I service yeah, the kid. Yeah, I make sure the kid's right, get them squared up. Yeah, kind of and, and I make up. it right, and then the kid goes back on the streets, man, and it's that's just how I am, man. I just but keep I it going for a minute. I got to piss. I think it's good to have that relationship because I don't. I don't have, like, because I don't build bikes for people, per se. I mean, I just, 
I put shit together for me, and if somebody wants to buy it, then fine. But I don't, I don't take in customer builds anymore, and and I didn't do a lot of customer builds back in the day. I mean, uh, because of the market I'm in. I mean, I didn't have, I couldn't reach the markets that you can reach today. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't reach out because I didn't have. I mean, I think we had MySpace when I started, but there was no social media and you saw really social. I do. I saw it. Oh, uh, I might. I don't. I don't think I can. I don't know if I canceled or not, but I don't use it. But, I looked it up on my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Uh, but I, uh, I just didn't have. I don't know. Actually, I, I, I don't. I don't know if I've ever considered myself a bike builder. I think I'm. But let me ask I'm you this, man: What happened to those days? And this is, and this is one thing I did with. To me, like when I did, um, I built crispy, right? To me, I left Parowitz, you know, I moved to Georgia, which was a big mistake, and I came to Florida, right? And, I, and um, to me, I had to rec- recreate myself and build something really cool as fuck to um, say, hey, you know, he left Parowitz, he's on his own, so let's see what Corey's going to build for himself. And what happened to those days when you would show up to a show and you open the back door of the trailer and you pull out this bad motherfucker and no one ever saw it. And you just like, and like, there it is. You know what I mean? Like today you, these dudes on um, Facebook and Instagram, they'll put a bolt in a bike and they want instant gratification for putting a bolt in a bike. And I'm like, what happened to the days where you used to go to a show and not show what you're doing? But now, you build a bike, everybody shows the whole step of the way of the bike, and they show up to a rally, and now you get the same matching bike across the parking lot as your bike because you want the instant gratification because of social media. Well, you were around back in the early days of like the, the modern chopper era. Let me ask you something. Do you, I feel like people propped each other up a little bit more back then. You had guys like Indian Larry and Billy Lane were friends. They're friends with Jesse. They were, you know, and I feel like there's not a lot of that going on. Not enough of that going on now. Oh, but look at Indian Larry bikes. They just went through Meekum. Uh, Bambi just sold two yeah. Indian Larry bikes, which she's entitled to sell them. They're hers. Yeah. They went, one went for over 200 grand. And one went for 187, 190 grand. But the iconic motorcycles in the industry that were hand built by an individual and they were on Discovery Channel. But to me, and this is just me, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, dude. Social media devalues what we do as individuals, Completely. what we do as a person. Like that's no what, what I'm, that's why we need. I people need to know. I, I need to tell people about you. You need to tell people about me, Cody. In, you know, right? Cody's a good example of somebody that that gets a, a fair amount of shine for for what he does, and he doesn't he doesn't put himself out there a lot. But because, he shows up and wins shows because he has no ego. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give. A, he, he builds a beautiful bike. And he doesn't care about what anybody else thinks about it. Oh, that's true. But it's the amount of hours that go into one individual project that no one gets that shit, man. That's why he. And it was funny when we. Uh, when a lot of people don't know this about Cody's FXR, and 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 people said some shitty things this last year because he won the FXR show again. Why would they say shitty things? <sighs> Well, let me tell you what happened, and then you can you can determine why people say shitty things. So what people don't know is back in 2015, Cody and I started talking about 
getting this FXR. You know, he started talking about talking to me about getting his FXR done. Yeah. And then his dad, right before his dad passed, his dad said, "Hey, you got to finish that bike." Right. Well, so there were three different iterations of that bike done. I have pictures that were texted to me less than six months before Sturgis of that bike unpainted with a telescopic front end and a set of FXR division or torch industry bars on it. Totally yeah. different bike, right? Than what ended up at 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 Sturgis. Right. And when we started really getting, when he started really getting down into the nuts and bolts, literally of that bike, there's $2,500 worth of diamond engineering fasteners on that bike. Oh, I bet. There's a $10,000 or an $8,000 short or long block in that bike. That's yep. no, that's no push rods, no cams, no, um, you know, uh, no intake, no carburetor. Right. So I know what it costs to put that bike together. Cause he spent a lot of that money at yep. cycle stop, but and we ordered a lot of those. A lot of those parts came through, came through our shop here. But <clears throat> when I flew in there, the deal was I was going to fly into Abilene, and then we were going to we were going to work on his bike that week. Cousin Lean. What's that? Cousin Lean. Cousin Lean. <laughs> yeah. And then drive up to <laughs> drive did up. He to say, did he say Cunnilingus? <laughs> no, he's what not. Did he say? Cousin Lean. Cousin Lean. <laughs> oh. So I want to live in Cunnilingus. No, no, that's way, right nah. dude. I will eat that shit like a dog trying to get a fucking <laughs> snack between the cushions of a couch. <laughs> um, when we we're trying to get, we were trying to get that bike all you know put together. We worked some yeah. pretty serious nights getting it getting it done. I knew when I saw that bike in person, I knew it was going to win. There's nobody, and, and here's why I knew that because nobody put that kind of work in. Right. Here's something that no one at this table knows except for me, is that. Coming home from we we won in, in 20, 2016. we went in twenty seventeen to support the show, and on the way home that bike fell off the trailer. Okay, and, and people don't know that, right? Yeah. Co Cody took all the tins off it, took the wheels off it, took. I mean that he didn't just people accuse he him revamped so, the bike. Well, yeah, but when we when we went this last year, yeah. When he pulled in, Daryl Huxel came up and says, "Dude, you fucking killed it." Joe Gerardo came up and said, "You killed it." Like they they knew that he was going to win again, and, and I honestly didn't know if people would let him win again. Right. But there were some shitty people that we don't know who they were. We just heard rumblings and grumblings of people saying, that, "Oh, well, fuck! It. I guess if I was friends with Booster Brad and, and repainted my bike, I could do that." What they don't know is they're none of the same sheet metal. None of this. I mean, everything on that bike was was redone to a point where it's it's not a whole new bike, but it's not a revamped bike. It was there was some fucking serious work done to that bike. Well, here's the problem: with bike shows, right? And and I'm gonna fuck it. I'll put my hand down this shit, right? Bike shows. Say Cody's bike, right? Right. Cody's bike killed it, right? Yep. Kills the show. So next year comes around, Cody's bike is still number one, right? Yep. They give somebody else that sucks a award because they don't want to give Cody another award, right? Right. But why not do a show like this? If fucking Cody's bike is number one, is the best bike on the ground. Okay. So then let these other motherfuckers build a better bike than Cody's bike. And if they don't, Cody's bike still is the fucking number one, mate. Like the king is here. Okay, but they all feel bad about because they don't want to give the same bike an award. Well, because they want to, they want to play to. The, they're playing to the front of the room. That's what I'm saying. They're not. But Cody the sets the, the level. Room. You set the level at a ten. Okay, if Cody's bike's a ten, okay, why give a six the award because Cody won a, a ten early in the year? You know what I mean? Like, and I and like I've had this ending with Baddest Bagger and all the things that I've done with with my bikes. Right. right? They give 
And I just saw it this last year at Battis Bagger at uh, in Sturgis, right? And I'm looking at the awards, and I'm like, why not let someone set a bar and beat that bar? And if you can't beat that bar, let that bar still be that guy. Well, that's why we did, like, so let's let's segue into what I did with the Wheels of Steel to try to avoid some of that. So best in show at the Wheels of Steel show, uh, I asked Brian Butera to Love build a <laughs> – to build a – to build a uh, trophy. Yeah, which is cool. It was for your father, right? Well, yeah. The, so that's like the Riddler Award. If you've been yeah. to the Detroit Autorama, they yeah. have the Don Riddler Award. I wanted to call you know, I, I want to parlay that into being the Rick Award or whatever it was, it was cool. called. But, yeah. So Brian Butera built the trophy. He picks the bike. The kid that won it is down in your neck of the woods, Kyle Ray Rice. With that okay. uh, shovel head? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this year, he builds the award. He picks the bike. And the reason why I did that is so that the artists own that trophy. Right. They own that award. They're and that's pick, cool. You know, I there's no there's there's no politics involved. None of that shit because they won that award. They want that award to mean something. Right. So there's no way if they let it go. It, it's like when you find out your favorite baseball player won the fucking the home run derby or the home run uh, thing that year because he was on steroids. Like right. Barry Bonds, no one gives a fuck about Barry Bonds. No one gives a fuck about Mark McGuire. No one gives a fuck about Jose I like Canseco. Mark I know, but no one gives a fuck yeah, about the their fuck award. He won the bottom of the back, the bat. I mean, did he really? Yes. So, but what I'm saying is, no one gives a fuck about his award. Right. It's like saying Babe Ruth is the best ball player ever. I know. They didn't let black people play fucking baseball when Babe Ruth was the number one dude. Right. So you know what I mean? Like it's not a it's not an equitable fucking arrangement. So if if the artists that own that own that award want to fucking devalue it by playing politics well fuck them and then so then it eventually it'll mean something again even if they do that so i agree with you i mean i think the best piece of of machinery on the ground needs to win but people don't realize what what people like cody and you put into the bikes that they're riding and cody's bike's a rider and that's what bothers me too like so this year at baddest bagger and Sturgis, right and I'm not saying, like, I, I'm definitely not the baddest bike builder in the world. And by far means there's so many other people that are more talented than me, right? My claim to fame when I do is I build a bike and I ride across country and it yeah. goes 3,000 miles and it's a rideable bike. And at this year, Baddest Bagger, the bike that won, it's like that fucking bike was built in like 10 different people's houses, right? And then they give this guy this trophy and he's like, now he's at, what was it, Full Throttle? Is it Full Throttle? That No, what's the one in Sturgis? Iron Horse? What's the big the show we went to and that has all the industrial um, that's machine. That's Full Throttle. Okay. That's Michael Ballard's so, Full okay. Throttle. So Full Throttle. It used to be the Broken Spoke yeah. County line. So this dude wins his fucking trophy, right? And it goes in the Full Throttle saloon, right? And it's not even a rideable fucking bike, dude. And this guy built it. He even built it. He, had, he subbed this shit out but here. But he, he knows that. The thing is that he knows that. I know, but he fucking rides that gravy train of social yeah, media. You know it. I know I it. I know. You I know, know it. Cody knows it. And so that's what I'm saying. So the back of the room is where all the fucking, that's where that's where the heat is. I know. No, and then we, then we, well, we, what's talking? the guy's name? What's the guy's name? I'm not saying it. But no, I'm, but do you know the guy's I, name? I know the fucking dude's Okay, name. so I don't know. What I'm saying is I don't know the guy's hey, name. Yeah, to me, I'll fucking say it. You know the name, dude. You know the name. It was built, it was built by, um, the fucking dude uh, from Misfit that's, like, his talented dude. Who was Misfit's major player? 
that did all the customization. Moose? Moose. Chris so Moose? Moose? Yeah. Chris Moose built the frame, and this guy did this, and this guy built the motor, and this guy wired it, dude. But he put it under his shop as it was his bike, dude. And again, and uh, I went to, like, we went to Donnie Smith's show, and that bike was there, right? And, dude, it's just, I don't know, man. It fucking irks me so bad, dude. Like, these dudes that just, well, just say. Race them. They, well, I'm just saying they, they they just say like they build their own fucking bikes and they don't they don't they don't if they fucking broke down the side of the road they wouldn't know how to fix it dude and when I break down I fix my shit and I keep going you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, that's what that's one thing about me <laughs> is I fix my shit and I keep going it's a story it's what we do and it, as a if you are in this industry that's what you do man you don't need anybody to help you fix your shit dude and I was on stage and helping people build bikes and put their parts on motors and they don't even know what, what tools to use. You know what I mean? It's embarrassing, but it's social media because those people have more followers than us and more likes than us that people go to them to build them bikes instead of going to people like us that know what we're doing. Well, we're, we're quality guys, not quantity guys. And I told, I told a dude that <laughs> I'm not going to call this motherfucker out either, man. But two weeks ago, I was in Atlanta to show and this I'm guy, not going to call him out, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm, not. I'm just going to say where I was. At. And he was beating his chest. He's like, man, I'm fucking, I've been, I built more fucking big wheel bikes than anybody else in this industry, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and I, was, and I told him, I said the same thing to him, what you just said. I said, dude, my motto is I build quality over quantity. I don't give a fuck what anybody else else thinks about that. Uh, you know, and I'm not a bolt on neck guy. I'm really not. Yeah. I'm really not. I'm, not I'm just, I, it's, it's. Why? It's like I'm it's, a big I'm a big thing with like it's like hanging your flat screen on the t of your wall. Do you want to see the wires? No, no, I don't want to see them either. And I see your wire, and it sucks <laughs> right now, dude. But I'm saying like I'm just saying like I'm a weld on neck guy, and I run all the wiring through the frame, and I make that shit super clean because at the end, like those are the things I know. I I notice the fasteners on the motor. I notice the attention to detail on the build. I notice the gaps on bags. Side covers, yep. and it, it could be Cody's bike. I noticed a fucking FXR or a Dyna, the the bolts, the paint job, the lines, how it matches up the seat, the bars. If it flows, it's right. You know what I mean? Like, right. it doesn't matter what it is. If you're a bike guy, you're a bike guy. Right. And there's too many fucking posers that are not bike guys, man. And I, and you know what? Again, it goes back to what I said an hour ago is that the, the cost of getting into this business is next to nothing. Right. You know, if it, it, you can go, you can, you can do it one of two ways. You can go to the Harley, Steve, Harley store or the Indian store, whatever, buy yourself a bagger, brand new, spend 20 grand, 25 grand, 30 grand, whatever, yep. buy, buy the, buy the outfits, buy all the fucking rings power and Rangers. all that shit. The power Rangers outfit. Yep. Too many Dyna guys. That's or, a Dyna fucking guy thing. You know that. Yeah. Or <laughs> it's that dynastata kit. I need tall socks and, and tall, tall shocks. shocks. And you can get, or you can go buy a $10,000, $10,000 motorcycle right. and spend another $10,000 and be king dangling builder and build one bike. Well, I'll tell you this. Like I did my no class show in Sturgis this year. Right. right. And I had like, I had a bunch of people show up. We started from um, O'Reilly's O'Reilly's and we did a ride a cool ride all the way through to Deadwood to the Cadillac Jack Casino, right? Mm -hmm. And I had some major players on the ride that I've looked up to 
in my career of being a bike guy, you know what I mean? And, right. you know, Perowitz, I worked for him for a while, and I respect him totally because I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I wasn't for him, you know? And um, I remember Flash interviewing Dave Perowitz and asking Dave, like, what do you think about Corey's shit? Or what do you think about this guy's stuff? And the thing with this industry is you have to recreate yourself, but you cannot be subject to, like, one uh, particular style of bike. I'm not – people think I'm a bagger guy, but I started as a chopper guy. I went to the baggers, and I'm now doing soft tails. But that is what the industry is going to. And so I'm going to build what the industry wants because I want to make money and survive in this industry because it's a tough industry to be in. You but know? you do it – all of those three types of bikes, you did them your way. Yeah, but but I'm well, also here's, not, here's but here's what you have to look at from my my point of view is that when you say I'm not a bagger guy, if I call you a bagger guy, I do it out of me putting you on a pedestal of being the bagger guy. Like I don't call, I mean I wouldn't just call somebody. Hey, he's a bagger guy. Like if I was going to call and ask somebody a question about baggers, I would call you. I mean, but because your bikes have been at that level, so. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to leave a message you know, and send a couple text messages, yeah. though. But whatever, whatever. <laughs> I'm, case, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't do that shit out of disrespect. I do that out of respect because when you've reached the pinnacle of being able to build that level of a of a big wheel bagger, dude, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I, those bikes are not easy to build. Like everybody thinks, oh, you just throw a bunch of shit on there. Because there's there so many people that are throwing a bunch of shit on them. Right. There yeah. are trash baggers out there. There are some trashy... There's a lot baggers. of places to hide shitty work on a bagger. I'm going to yeah. tell you that. Yeah. There's a lot of places to hide. That's not an easy Band-Aids. Yeah. Pull them off. But, 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 but I think that being called, hey, you're not just a bagger guy. We all know you can build anything. I mean, we all know that. Yeah. But you have, you have set the bar with the baggers so high that being known as a bagger guy is almost a... a Dude, there's how many I don't iconic know the right word, but it's out of respect. Yeah, so I mean, uh, for me, yeah, I know. Like I this, just, Cody. I just take it as like, yo, when you see people say that I'm a bad guy, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in that category with the chandelier jeans, the affliction t-shirts. Like I built a bike. No, no, no one puts you there because you have you have your own style. What, right. what I I know what Cody's saying, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back it up with this name. The top five. I mean, we can we can sit around here and go around the table. Okay. We could talk about El El Rey, Misbehaving, Chango Blanco. I I don't know if you know those bikes, but I know you know those bikes. Yeah, West Coast three, bikes, right? Yeah. Well, no, you have El Rey's, yeah. Warrens, Misbehaving's, yeah. Billy's, Chango Blanco, right? And we can yeah. come up with uh, White Knuckles, which was the one that Paramount built that had the blower on it. I mean, yeah. those are iconic bikes, right? Yeah. No, give, they are. Give me five iconic baggers right now. Mine. Crispy. No, I'm, I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Crispy. Crispy. What's another one? It, it, to me, though, but to me. No, but answer the question. I will answer, but, but I'm saying I'm going to follow this up with my question. An iconic bike to me is something that's rideable. Okay. okay. It's I'll, ride across country and show up in places <clears> and do a thing. Okay. Okay. I'm talking about bikes that people know. Your um, bike is known by everybody that likes yeah. big wheel baggers. Right. Name um, one other one that is. Name one other one. Maybe Shane's bike that he doesn't own anymore, the blue and white one. Maybe that one. But I wouldn't have known that bike if I had not seen it. I'm not and that's either. got a 200-horsepower Pro I'm Charger. 
I'm not trying to. I'm not no, trying that to. Things get, in my shop right now. I'm not even. trying to get you to bag on anybody. No, what I'm trying anybody. to tell you is, is that you can't say that you're not a bagger guy when you go around the room. Uh, Shope had a couple that are memorable, but I'm going to be honest with you and tell you go, that I would go with Curtis. I would say Curtis Hoffman, dude. Like Curtis Hoffman's bike is Brown Road King lay frame. 26 was the first lay frame bike I've ever seen. It to me that's iconic. And then, you his, know, to him, the only bike that's iconic of his to me that I I know of two of his bikes that I could just name you what they are. Yeah, the bike he did that, um, the blue one with like the distressed paint job, the old oh, bike, the new one he just did that shovel head. I fucking love that bike, dude. Right, that's what that's a bike I would I would fucking own that bike. I hate that I like that bike that much, not because of Curtis, but because. I would it's own, so goddamn I simple. And, and I would own that bike, too, too. But it would have a fucking twin cam in it with a six-speed transmission, so I keep up with everybody. You but know what my mean? point is, that's what's kinky about that bike. Yeah. that it's For him to be, for that to be his fucking, uh, what do his they call that? A, a coup was, de gras or whatever, you know, where he's yeah. fucking a tout le monde, where you're just like, fuck off, I'm out of here. I think his That was and, his mic drop. That I think his blue black bike and gold a, one was better than that. I agree. But the blue one is his mic drop. That was the last. That was the last big wheel that he's got. I know he's doing something right yeah. now with with one. But that and was I a wish, mic drop. And for I a wish you'd go back to big wheels. I mean, I'm not hating on what he's doing, man. I know he's changing the industry. He wants to do what he wants to do. But I, I he's serving his customer base right now. Yeah, but he's uh, you know what and you know what man like I just bought a set of his wheels yesterday or there's, today. There's too many. There's too many guys in this industry that are, and I get it. They're pushing what they think is cool, right? To customers, but I, when I think of Curtis Hoffman, what I thought was cool was him was this shit that he built back in the day. Now what he's doing now? Well, you still haven't answered my question. What? Five iconic baggers. There's none to me. I mean, you could say Tim, Tim from McManus Hubbus Wheels, but that was built in Canada. It wasn't built in fucking here in the United States. Um, it's not rideable shit, dude. Um, That's my point. Is so um, you can't you can't say that I'm not. You can't. I, I mean, I know you're not offended by it, but I mean, to be fair, your bike, your crispy bike, has been at every event imaginable. I've won every and award possible. That's event. what I'm saying. That's and I've ridden exactly it to Sturgis two times, two years in a row. I've ridden that bike. I, I, that's that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying yeah. to convey here. Right. That is the El Rey of. Big wheel baggers. It just is. It's got more fabrication work on it. It's got less fucking bullshit on it. Less frills on it. But it's a lay frame 30, right? Is that a baby? Uh, I think it's his daughter, yeah. <laughs> that's my daughter screaming. Oh. No, I, and I get what you're saying, and that's. What I'm I not love. trying to blow your Vulcan. You know that I'm not no. that kind of person at all. I'm just saying that that there's not many iconic big wheel baggers. No, and there's not, and it's. And, and and one thing that bothers me the most is that there's not many other bike. If you want to say bike builders, right? There's not many other bike builders out there that are actually building shit under their roof and riding thousands of miles to debut their shit in Sturgis. No, no one is doing that. And that's one thing that I hold to myself that this will be my sixth year in a row riding the Sturgis on something brand new out of my shop and something brand new for my customers. And we go as a squad to Sturges like they used to do back in the day with Donnie Smith, R&S, and Dave Perowitz would ride out there and debut their new shit. Um, and that's helped me big time in my 
my career where I'm at. Like that's well, what's you've helped. gotten a lot of respect from the back of the room. Yeah, and, and people are taking notice of it. And they are, and that's why I'm still in this business, man. I I gotta. Gang. It's pretty easy to go. Okay, I wanna. I've got X number of dollars to drop. I want to build a bagger, but I want something I can ride. You can either buy one that's already done. That you, it's like getting a fucking dog from the pa- from the pound. Right. Right. Yep. You know, there's not a lot of history on these things. Right. But, you know, you can you can you can replicate at least the quality. Right. So that's like one thing I hold dear to me, man. Like, like that's why, and I tell this, and I've I've told this to all the bike guys that come up in the industry. They're like, hey, I'm gonna open a bike shop. I wanna do this. I'm gonna do this. I'm like, all right. Here's what I'm gonna tell you, man. Right now. Real talk is you need to love this industry to be a part of it. You need to work seven days a week. Your home life's going to suck. There's no girl that's going to want to date you or marry your ass because you're going to be married to the shop 24-7 to be, you know, to be, to be, to move forward in this whole industry. You need to show face at the shows. Even though if you don't have no money in your pocket, you need to show face because you didn't fall on the face of theirs. Like, you're still here. But... Riding my bikes across country has showed customers that, like, yo, he builds a dope-ass-looking bike, and he rides it across country, and if it breaks, they fix it, and they keep it moving. And but, nobody else does that. And that's one thing that I, I'll call any other bike builder out right now. And I'm not being a dickhead. I'm just saying, build build four bikes and have your customers get on them and ride them to Sturgis. No, I agree. And, you know, that's where I've fallen short in my career is not not going to shows so do it i'm i'm you know we're that's what we're working on we started we we went to that show that loretta lynn's deal and i didn't only go because i was invited i went because i i got something done because i was that soft tail i don't know if you saw that soft tail in the in the showroom but i got that bike done because i was invited and that was the impetus that i needed to get me to get me pushed and then now i'm part of something that's bigger than just me and what i'm doing and i'm going to daytona to be set up the, right. for the whole time for the first time in my whole career i'm going to be set up for the whole week and i've got to rely on me yeah. I've got to re- I've got to put my work out there and, and be judged by everybody walking by. I, my booth has to be, it has to be substantive. It's got to have shit in it. It's I, not your booth though; it's your work, dude. What I'm saying is, is that I've got to have something there. So I've got to have a bike in the booth, right? I mean, you got to have a bike. Yeah. So I've got that soft tail that's going to be there the whole week, and I've got to. I mean, I can't just show up with one fucking thing. And it's so it was like when we were standing back there, and I was showing you that little rigid uh, sportser that uh, Paul Baranuckle built up the frame for me. And you're like, what's the deal? Right. What's the problem? Time, motivation, money. What's the deal? And you're right. I've got to get it done. I've got to, you know, I've got to get a, a, a fire lit under my ass. I've, I've, for lack of a better term, and I'm just going to call myself on it. I've ridden off Cody's coattails for the last four years. Well, I mean, you just need to go to these things and you can have one bike. That. You can have one bike or any bike, dude. But if it, like I said, like, my thing that I do, if it's important to you, it's important to me, and I always go off that stuff. Right. And I talk to everybody that comes up to me and talks to me about bikes, and that's where I, sh- to me, that's where I shine because I'm humble, and I talk to people, and we build cool shit. But I'm approachable, and I know you're approachable. I know Cody's approachable. We're just regular dudes. We're just doing what we love to do. You right. know what I mean? And there's too many guys in this industry that are not like that. So I think that you can show up at. You can show up at Daytona for a whole week with one bike. 
But if everybody loves you because you're no, a normal dude and you, you take it to heart what they're saying, you'll do fine, dude. Yeah, it's just it, now here's the thing that, that just happened. So now the curtain's been peeled back, right? So now I'm I'm making it I'm making myself vulnerable and available yep. and and I don't have I don't have the ego that you're talking about that some people have. I don't have I, an ego. I, I don't, you don't have an ego either. I, I try not to. I really suppress it as much as I can. I mean, I like being told that I'm doing something that people like. There's no ego with just talking to a, me and you sitting here talking right now. There's no ego in that shit, man. I, I'm I have I'm fearful of that curtain getting pulled back and and someone uh, you know I'm but, not full of bullshit. Yeah, no, but that's that's the thing that's not that is social media. It's bullshit, dude. You're a real dude. You just there's no curtain to pull back, man. The guy's talking to you one on one, and if you tell him what you're gonna do and you do what you say you're gonna do, right? Wh- where's the bullshit in that? No, I get it, and uh, so I'm just being mindful of that. You know, I mean, it's important to me, but it's always been more important to me that you know that I'm not full of shit, and Cody knows that I'm not full of shit, and John knows that I'm not full of shit. John's not here. Then, well, he's then, here, but he's not here. Right. Yeah, John doesn't <laughs> want to talk on the microphone. Um, that's more important to me. Yeah. No, and I agree. My peers are more important to me than my customers. And, I, and Is that bad to say that? No, I, okay, no. You're not saying that, that it's not like across the board with a broad brushstroke. Their opinion of your work. Yeah. Your, your customer is either going to be happy or not happy. Maybe they see value in what you do, or they feel like they got, you know, they didn't get the value they wanted. Right. right? Their their expectations weren't met, or they were met. It's real simple. It's cut and dry. Right. But your fucking peers were there when, dude, I can remember what 2008 and 9 and 10 and 11 felt like when you were like, you know, you're changing fucking oil, wondering, are you ever going to get an opportunity to build another bike for somebody? You're changing tires. Wondering, are you ever going to get a chance to build something cool again for somebody? Right. I mean, that that's a reality that I right. went through, and you went through it, too. Mm-hmm. And we both started our new businesses in the throes of the worst economy in fucking 70 years. I sold one of my bikes that I wish I could find where it is because I'd buy it back tomorrow if I could to stop my business. I have no business partners in my, my deal. I have no family money. Like, I got nothing. No one, No one is... Back in my business, man. I don't have the luxuries of the Richard Rollins coming to my shop and doing garage rehab and throwing hundreds of thousands. Dude, I've started from the ground up, and I've made it where I am today. And I think that's why we don't get invited to those kinds of activities. You know what? But I'm proud of what I did, man, because I And you should hard. be, and, and, and I'm, I'm pretty pleased with, you know, on the <laughs> other than the times, that, and Cody will tell you, I fucking hit that. I look for that fucking panic button, but we've, you know— you got to have people that you, and I've also, I've got to be able to talk to people that understand what I'm saying. I got to be able to talk to you and go, Hey man, I'm fucking spinning out of control and this is fucked up. And Cody's like, Hey man, stop. What do you need? What do you know? Let's figure out a plan. So when you say you don't have a business partner, I don't have business partners per se, but I've got business consultants. I got Cody. I got you. I got, you know, uh, even my employees to some degree, if I'm having a fucking sketchy day, they know, they know that when I'm having a sketchy day and they're like, is everything all right? <laughs> no, and I agree with that too. I don't, I don't, I have friends and real friends in Florida, like Johnson here right now. Like I run things even on the way here, man, I run things by him. I tell him what's going on. I tell him about phone calls I've got. I told him about business situations and he's not in the business. I mean, he does his own thing, but he's, but you know what though? You peel back that curtain and let him see in it. He's got a different perspective than he you does. Got. And that's he can what go, I hey, like man, about it. Hey man, I see it. you kind of falling off here. That's what Cody is so 
so valuable to me about is he knows. I mean, he'll call. He'll call sometimes. And he's like, "Oh, we having a bad fuck." I, all I did was say hello, and he's like, "Oh, having a bad fucking day, huh?" <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, "Dude, he I'm." He is in your voice. He yeah, in your exactly. Voice. And so those kinds of uh, those kinds of relationships are invaluable, and, and valuable, and that's why I say the back of the room is is that's what I'm interested in. That's where I want to be. Because I see the real shit. Yeah. I see what really goes on. Yeah. There's it no fucking. There's, there's no smoke and mirrors. You know, it's like the ball don't lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Let's talk about. We got to get some of this shit off. Uh, Can off. I piss real quick? Yeah, go right ahead. Ah. It's a, it's the second door down. So, I'm I'm gonna have to talk to you for just a second, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read the uh, I'm gonna read these liner notes here. The fourth annual Corey Souza Originals No Class Bike Show Daytona Bike Week 2020 Saturday March 14th 2020. About the show, uh, the mod, our motto, no classes, no politics, just a good time. All bikes are welcome. Choppers, bobbers, restored vintage performance baggers, big wheel baggers, cholo soft tails. All bikes must compete against every bike in the room. No classes. That's in uh, bold print. More of a party than a show atmosphere. Leave the industry politics and industry wannabe drama at the door and come ready to have a good time. Our mission is to have the best in the motorcycle industry all under one roof. We're looking for the most unique, innovative motorcycles with the highest level of attention to detail. We don't care if these motorcycles come from a household name builder or somebody we've never heard of who builds in their home garage. The KSO No Class Bike Show is about keeping the custom motorcycle industry alive for future generations. We want to make sure that the builders look forward every year to unveil their newest builds. We hope this show will spark interest in kids who can one day keep this industry going strong, and we want to encourage builders to get out of their comfort zone and push the limits of their talent. Uh, this is all for charity. Last year, uh, the KSO Originals, or K- Corey Souza Originals KSO No Class Bike Show raised over $20,000 at the Daytona event alone. It's the only show of its kind with no classes. It's nighttime. It's indoors with live entertainment. It's the biggest bike show in Daytona, and this is the fourth consecutive year we no longer do a show for Biketoberfest. So this, everything is, all the emphasis is being put on the spring show, the spring rally which is still one of the biggest rallies in the country. Uh, in August, we will host our third annual no-class bike show in Sturgis, which includes a scenic ride through the Black Hills. The show is not about how much you spend on your bike or who you know. We bring in non-biased judges who are well-respected in their professions, master painters, hot rod builders, and master fabricators, just to name a few. The best of show winner goes home with a custom painted plaque, a huge prize package, and bragging rights, custom fabricated trophies for first, second, and third place. Courtney did a lot of stuff here. A lot of shit. All right, so let's talk about the fourth annual Corey Souza No Class Bike Show. So now we have a new, bigger, better venue. We're at the Ocean Center, at the Convention Center, at 101 North Atlantic Avenue, conveniently located, close to all the Bike Week action, rain or shine, all indoors. So this is uh, this is right there at A1A and almost right at, um, yeah, right at Main Street, yeah. right? So uh, some of the sponsors, the Fran Hosh Law Group, she's a platinum sponsor. Fran Hosh does a lot for us here at the show, awesome. dude. You, I've got that big eight-foot banner out there. I see it. You know, Fran Hosh is, uh, in, the, in the last nine years, she's been a champion for, for everything that we've done here, and, and she, I appreciate her. A, her and her husband are just sweet people. Yeah, Rhett, Rhett's care. my dog. They care about people. They truly do. I'm, I'm not no bullshit around. Like, um, you can tell when somebody, like, I've been to their home. Uh, they're fantastic human beings. I uh, yeah, they're they're really sweetheart, and they're down. Man, I'm trying to come to your home. They're they're down they're down to earth. Uh, Wizards Products. That's a silver sponsor. Wizard Products is um, a place that uh, that's most vendors, most of your bike shops have the the Wizard Products. They're that's all we detail use products, on our bikes. isn't? Yeah, yeah, that's all I use on my bikes. 
Uh, Florida Full Throttle Magazine. That's Tony Cianci. Yep. Yep, media sponsor. He's the one that just put on the, the big show over at Burt's Barracuda last yep. weekend. Yeah, it's a yep. fantastic event. Born to Ride, Rod Galetti. He's a media sponsor. Awesome. It's good that you got those guys working together. Curly's Customs. That dude is cool as shit. Yeah. I'm a- I, I just got to tell you, that, that guy, that's the guy that did the, um, hey, Cody, are you still with us? Oh, yeah. I'm still Was it, Wasn't Curly the one that picked your bike at the Parrotwood show? And gave you the watch. Yeah, yeah that dude. Watch. Yeah, that dude is cool as shit, man. He's a he, great guy. He picked one of my bikes, the Parrot Show. Gave me a watch too. Yeah, well, so, fuck you, Cody. <laughs> I need you to get closer. <laughs> yeah, to, I need you to get closer to the mic. About that's right. No, Crowley's a good dude, man. He gave me a, a gold watch for one of the bikes I built, and I sent it to the customer. Crowley's been a, a fan of mine, and I'm a fan of his. I think we uh, we both we we. we we build cool shit in the industry, and uh, he's one of those guys that if you, when we start talking about people that you know and people yep. that that put in their work, I'm I'm very happy to see him as successful as he is. And I, you know what? I've only met him the one time. Yeah, no, he's a good dude. He's on the grind, like we're all on the grind, man. And he's pumping out bikes out of Midwest, and uh, he just built a really cool black watch. It's got my logo on it. He etched it all in really? there to give away. Yeah, no, I'm excited for people. Whoever's going to win, I'm excited to it's wear It's not for you? No, no, no. You didn't get one for it's yourself? It's a giveaway. It's a giveaway, which Oh, well, is cool. he's got a fucking Rolex on his fucking arm. He doesn't give a shit. Is I that a GMT? I got the Ferrari. Is that a Pepsi? Is that a GMT? Yeah. Oh, he's got edition. the Pepsi edition. Yeah. Motherfucker's got me. Got to show me. Is the watch for the no-class show in Daytona? Yeah, so we're giving away a watch. Get that fucking FXR down here, son. Yeah. Ryan's gonna, <laughs> Ryan's gonna do, I'm sure, a crazy trophy to give away. Fucking Cody's never been to Daytona. Oh, uh, you. Uh, you know, I mean, been, the thing is, here's the deal. For Twenty years, and I've never been. To He's Daytona. never been to Daytona, What's and deal, what he man? doesn't, you know what? It, it, I got him to come to Florida twice last year. Once for my daughter's wedding. Once and for the Wheels Steel Show. <laughs> fantasy Fest down at Key West. What What needs to happen is I need to get Cody. <laughs> I need to get Cody and Angela to come here. Around this time of year, around Daytona, yeah. do Daytona Bike Week, right, for four or five days, and then go down to the Keys with the wives and the kids. Well, not my kids, but his kids, do, and then do Disney. Have fun. Well, they were down here. You did, did, when did we do Disney? Year before last. We did Disney in 2018, 2018? Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah, I've done Disney twice, and then we'll, we may do Disney again this year. It's kind of a every other year trip. So right on. We, we may do it again, so. I'm going to go down the list of sponsors, Rockwell Watches. I'm sure that's who Curly. Curly's partnering with. Uh, Twin City Cycles. Rodney. Rodney. Rodney who? A little bitch-ass motherfucker. <laughs> no, I was kidding. <laughs> okay. Now, Rodney, he's a bike builder at Twin City out of uh, the Carolinas. Real good dude, man. He builds really cool bikes. Right on. So if uh, if somebody has any interest in uh, in being a sponsor or a vendor, make sure you email info at CoreySouza.com. Uh, here's some 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 day of show notes. General admission is free. Doors open at 6 p.m. Awards at 10 p.m. Everyone is welcome. Full bar and food available for purchase. Live DJ and entertainment. You guys gonna have the break dancers again this year? Um, we're gonna change it up, man. I don't want anybody. You know, there's other shows going on in Daytona that's not mine. They're gonna try to copy and recreate what I do, and uh, uh, okay. we're, gonna, we're gonna put a twist on it like we always do and uh, do our thing. But Cody uh, did Dancing with the Stars, you know. And he should do dancing with something at my show. I don't know what it's going to be, but we should need to get Cody dancing. Can we shame dancing Cody into getting? Here? Can we shame you into getting over here, yeah. Cody? You have any PTO? Yeah. Uh, 
I think think oh, should. did you hear yeah. the uh? I haven't yeah. gotten an uh out of him in a long time about Daytona. I think we could shame this motherfucker into right. getting his ass over here. <laughs> I think the thing with my show is, man, it's not a stereo competition. I want to get the baddest bikes of Daytona. Everybody, I don't care if it's a backyard dude, a, a builder. The best bikes will be at my show at the convention center. It's going to be a show that you can actually communicate and talk with people. And I'm going to have industry people that I look up to there to talk to cool, like talk to people, you know, and the biggest display of hottest bikes in Daytona, a chance to mingle with top builders and industry professionals, which you just touched on a silent auction and a live auction featuring incredible collectibles, memorabilia and custom art swag raffle. Okay, so apparel booth, cash and cards will be accepted. Also, <laughs> PayPal or hand jobs. EBT, um, EBT. Ocean Center charges for parking, so it's five dollars for bikes, ten dollars for cars. But it is a walk to Main Street. It's within walking distance. So, if you want to enter your bike, we're uh, highly encouraging pre-registration. Find a registration link on our Facebook page, Facebook event page, or Instagram bio. Uh, from our official Facebook event page, click tickets to register your bike registration is 40 for the first 50 bikes after that it goes up to 50 bucks once you're registered you'll receive an email confirmation including a printable and digital ticket and also contact information again info at coreysouza.com if you need any help with any of the registration so uh the important thing here though at the end of the day is the charities that you're supporting yeah. right so you're supporting b colin strong incorporated so this was founded by mike and diane woodishek Okay. And huh? when I touch on that real quick, um, when I say to you, like, when you build a bike for someone, they come family. Right. This is family. Mike and Diane lost their son uh, a few years ago back to cancer. And this is me. It's our way of my shop giving back to what goes on today. You know what I mean? Like, he became, we, he was, a, it was, we were building him a bike and do something for him, but we right. want to support what he's got going on in his life, too. Well, it says here, uh, it was only a few years ago, too, that it says that they lost their sons. So that's, uh, that's a terrible thing to watch somebody go through. Yep. So these proceeds that are raised will be go towards, uh, they will go towards funding children's cancer research programs at Broward, Dade, and Palm Beach County Hospitals, various autism programs throughout South Florida. Um, part of what the proceeds will go to is the LifeScape Foundation. Uh, if you want to talk a little bit about your, you are... Uh, it says here, Corey is a member of Hamsters USA, one of the most prestigious motorcycle organizations in the world. Uh, for many years, the Hamsters have offered huge support to LifeScape Foundation, which supports LifeScape Children's Hospitals. What is that? It's a hospital that we built in uh, South Dakota. Uh, we've helped, well, I shouldn't say we built it, but we helped support it every year. We do a charitable auction at um, in Sturgis, South Dakota at the Sparefish Holiday Inn on Monday night. You guys gave over three hundred and twenty-eight thousand dollars last year. Yeah, in in one year, one night, one night. We do it in one night. And how many members are at that? Are that how many people are, are in that room? I think, and I'm gonna be wrong. I'm just guess, but I'm saying there's like two hundred and seventy members, but not every member like shows up that's, every year. It depends on the big years. Okay, so in a room that there's presumably two hundred and fifty people, right? You're coming out of that room, the other side of that room, with over three hundred thousand dollars, and it says here you've averaged two hundred seventy-five. So it's everybody that comes in that room is given a thousand dollars on average. Pretty so much. there's obviously people that are giving more and people that are giving less. We obviously yeah. give what we can afford to give, but right. that's fantastic. It's it, that's it, no small feat. No, and it's it's something that I hold proud to myself that I'm a part of. I mean, we as a Hampsters, we build. I feel that we build the baddest bikes in the industry, and we are the industry, man. That's like what we do 
and uh, it's something I've been almost this year will be 15 years I've been part of it, and I'm very proud to be part of it. I'm one of the youngest. I'm one of the youngest members besides Zach Ness, right? Uh, and then uh, Max Ness coming up in the industry, man. But we're trying to pave the way to fill the shoes of the older guys that have been well, for a long time, which is... Uh, it's and Arlen, Arlen passed away last year. Right. So, I mean, there's there's obviously, you know, these guys are getting up in age. And um, can you can you, uh, can you you talk a little bit about uh, how people can help if they can't go to the event? Um, They can go to my page and donate. I mean, that's one of the things that we do is... It, and that's one thing I like about the ride is I meet so many people along the way. And I hand out business cards and I right. tell them what, I'm, what we're about and what we're doing. And I've had people like crying and give me $5 or $10 and I donate to the charity, which is really cool that people see what we're trying to do, you know, to make this better. Yeah. So. No, that's, I, he, he, it's, that's a really hard thing to kind of talk about. Yeah. I mean, when you start talking about like, uh, you know, it, it's a good feeling to give, right? It feels good to give somebody of yourself, your time, right. your right. money, your effort, your work, those types of things. Um, you know, Cody, uh, Cody and Angela and Abilene, they give, uh, they're involved in several charities and Cody's in this thing called the, uh, it's, what is it? Big country 100, Cody? Big country 100. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- those guys, it's a hundred, it's a hundred people that that's kind of the, the mantra is it's a hundred people to give a hundred dollars or something. Isn't it? How does that work? Yeah. Oh, yeah it, it, there's, there's four meetings a year. There's one per quarter. Uh, the goal is to have a hundred, a hundred men, uh, at, at the meetings you have to, when you sign up, you have to sign up to commit to four meetings Okay. and it's $100 minimum per meeting. So that's $400 a year minimum that you have to be willing to donate. So, uh, right off the top of my head, I can't tell you, uh, we've been doing it close to three years. I can't tell you, uh, we've raised, let's see, 10. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Uh, I mean, the goal is to raise $10,000 a meeting, but we've, we've surpassed that uh, almost every time. So it's we've raised about $12,000 per meeting uh, over the last 12 quarters. That I goes to the uh, the orphanage there in, in Abilene, does it not? No, 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 no. It's a different – each meeting it goes to a different – Oh, that's right. Uh, per quarter you interview, like you go around and there's a board that interviews, you know, it may be an orphanage, it may be a homeless shelter, it may be a, you know, uh, a company that grows food for kids that can't eat at the school or, I mean, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's infinite amount of different 501c3s that can apply. And then you interview three or interview 10, you pick three and then at the meeting you, uh, Everybody votes on the. You have you have an individual from each each entity speak. As the three entities, they speak, and then you vote, and then you write your check directly to That's whoever right. yeah, wins. That, char- so that charity. But, but the the cancer services network is what Angela chairs, and she's been doing that for going on five years, and uh, she's grown it bigger and bigger, and bigger, and then Dancing with the Stars. That's for the orphanage. That's the the event that I'm involved with, and that's that's the one that we raised. Uh, uh, about six hundred and forty thousand dollars in one night. Jesus Christ! That's uh, ridiculous. That beats us. Uh, well, that's amazing. Well, I say, I say, I say that doesn't per person. It doesn't beat what y'all are doing as, as hamsters because to raise that kind of money in one night with you know three hundred people versus we're probably talking 
3,000 people in the room when we do this. And, and when I say in one night, the event's held in one night, but you have there's six a build up to it. Up to it. Yeah. yeah, there's a build up. So it's now don't get me wrong, and and not I think the, a lot of people forget that what it takes to put on <laughs> any kind of charity network that it it there's so much involved that you know not everybody's willing to donate their time. Not everybody's willing to donate food. Not I mean, so out of six hundred thousand dollars, just say you net by the time you have to pay all the people to do the work to you might net three hundred thousand dollars. But I I tell you what I, I respect the most about the hamsters is the charity work. That's yeah. my biggest, my biggest, I don't know a lot about the hamsters. I don't, I, I mean, I, I, I think they're cool, but I, the, the draw to me for the hamsters is the, the charity work. Yeah. The do. benevolence yeah. that they do. Right. Yeah. Are you, are it's you just, uh, in that organization? No. And so uh, there, I, there's a lot of podcasts that have been talking about, like, uh, I don't know if you heard uh, fast life, Jace, when he interviewed Yaffe, Yaffe talked oh, a lot yeah, about yeah. it. And so, like, more information is getting out and stuff. And so, it's it's definitely a fraternity of, of sorts, right? Yeah. And there's some some things that you have to do to work up to it, and you've got to put some time in. I think yeah. I've, I've been told um, it's like a three-year process, is it not? You go it's before a two-year process. You go before the board. You have to be a custom. You have to build custom motorcycles, be in this, involved in the custom motorcycle industry, and you have to ride the surges twice. And you have to just, like, show face and be a part of what we're doing here like what we're doing right now you know we're right. trying to keep this industry alive so i mean is that is that something that you openly talk about or is it is i mean for a guy like me i mean i'm i've, I've shown interest and I, I don't know how to move forward or is that something that you want other hamsters to approach you mentioned people it, you mentioned earlier that, that you, know, you know you try to grow it and try to yeah get so the, you're the young you're one of the youngest yeah. right so, so so and you're are you 40 yet oh <laughs> Nah, nigga. Nah, they forty yet. Yeah, no, thirty nine. I'm holding strong, dude. So, <laughs> so, um, I had a conversation with um, uh, Mark Shadley two years ago at the Foliage Run. And Mark, so what the Hampshires did this year is um, the major founders of the Hampshires have picked somebody. I would say a little younger than them to fill their shoes, as in to keep it going, like a know? legacy kind of kind of thing. yeah, yeah. So Mark Shadley pulled me aside and says, "Hey Corey, you're in Florida. You're well, you know, you're well respected. You build bikes. Let's stop building this Florida chapter because we have no hamsters out of Florida." So I put before the board last year one of my buddies that wanted to be a part of it, and I intend on putting another one of my friends this year and next year and next year. And I'm going to build my own chapter in Florida. I hope and uh, keep it going. You know, it's it's and. To me, um, I take it so personal. Like I'm, so I've been a hamster almost. This will be my 15th year being a hamster. I've never sponsored anybody ever hmm. in 15 years. So last year, 14 years into it, I sponsored my buddy Russ Jordan, yeah, Silky Johnson, Silky Johnson. <laughs> so <laughs> to uh, I go before the board and um, which he's all he's liked in front of all the hamsters, they all know who he is. You know, the guy takes more pictures of himself than anybody else I know. And uh, <laughs> I built up multiple bikes and, you know, and then I would just tell anybody, you know, if it's something you want to be a part of, you know, I mean, to me, you don't have to pretend to be that, you know what I mean? If this is what you do, this is what you do. And this is what you love this is what you love. So I'm yep. hoping to get a bunch of my, my crew that I have in Florida that I, that I hang out on the regular to be a part of it, you know, and have my own squad there, you know? Right. Right. So. Um, so, uh, 
as far as like the this show, the no class show was held somewhere else before. Without getting into any of the details, um, this show is is now been moved a little bit further down the road. Yeah, it's at the Ocean Walk. Yeah, it's going to stay there for a while. That's where the plan is. It's uh, it was a, it would it started in a warehouse. It was a warehouse party, which yep. everybody loved, and I loved about it. It was a. I was at one of your warehouse ones. So you, you get it, man. Yep. It's like a a block party. It was like a warehouse party. It was, like, was hip hop music. It was cool bikes. It was no one gave a shit, and it was it was fun. Right. And that's the thing with my show. It's always been going to be fun, and uh, yeah, it was held somewhere last year, and you know. Circumstances outside of your control, yeah. yada yada yada. So it's being held somewhere else. Yeah. But they this chose is the wrong person, man. They chose the wrong person, and uh, so we're gonna do th- we're gonna do the convention center this year. Okay. And uh, I got a bunch of sponsors on board. I'm not gonna talk about what I'm gonna do there because you know, it, to me, talking about what I'm gonna do there, right, is like talking about your bike before you show up to the bike show. I'm gonna wheel okay. that thing yeah. out of the trailer. Yep. So I'm just telling you, there's a it, new bike coming. Um, there's going to be a bunch of bikes coming. Not, a, I mean, I'll have some new bikes on my end. Mm-hmm. I always shoot for Sturgis though. Like Sturgis okay. to me is like the premier show that I want to debut what I can do. It's definitely bookends, right? I mean, you have Daytona starts yeah. the year for everybody. To it me, used it, to be, to me, Cincinnati, the B-Twin Expo used to start the year off. Yeah. Because that would have been like two weeks ago. Yep. And so that gives us five weeks to Daytona. Right. So that you would see all your friends that you don't get to see during the year in, in Cincinnati. Yep. Five weeks later, you'd see them at Daytona, and then it was off to the races. Everybody was kind of doing their own thing, right. and then Sturgis was kind of the the bookend. That's right. where you know, all right, I'll see you, I'll see you, <laughs> see you, motherfuckers after Christmas. <laughs> well, it's our 80th, man. It's our 80th year in Sturgis this year, right? So, to me, I probably got I got three bangers. I'm bringing out in Sturgis, man. Nice. That's for me. And, and the other thing is, I'm gonna ride them out to Sturgis. And we're gonna do the no class show in Sturgis. We're do no again. class show in Sturgis. <laughs> we're gonna ride to Sturgis. I'm hoping whoever that talk was about drag race, we're gonna drag race in Sturgis. We're gonna have a good time, man. Right on. So, um, but yeah, uh, I'm hoping um, the whole Florida thing, man. The uh, bike week, it's gonna be it's gonna be killer. I promise you that. All my shows are always. I feel a killer. I think the right bikes win my win my shows. I think we built really cool awards to give away. Mm-hmm. Um, we touched on the Cincinnati show. My show is the Cincinnati show. I feel I think that the best bikes of Daytona and the bike builders that build the baddest bikes and backyard guys that build the baddest bikes always hit me up to be a part of our show because it's not about baggers. It's about any bike that's really cool. So uh, I'm hoping, especially you don't have to pay to come in. Right. You know what I mean? You just got to pay to park. You get a paid up park. for bikes right. and $10 for cars, but you right. can walk the main street afterwards. And anybody that enters a show with their bikes, the $40 goes to um, the charitable event. You know what I mean? It's not like we're not keeping none of the money. We give it away. It's it's something that my shop and my friends and my family and everybody that cares about what we do got going on here donates in time to put on a show to give back. Let me ask you something. I know what it costs to put on the Wheels of Steel show. Yeah. I gotta imagine. What is this? Just throw out a number. This this costs you several thousand dollars, I would imagine, to put on yeah. a show of this of this scope. I mean, that's what people don't understand. Yeah, I'll you know, pop. they're they're worried about the, the money at the door and how much it costs to do this. You don't realize that it costs a shitload of money 
to try to raise money for charity. Right. And so, then they and then and then the laws and the tax rules right. and all that stuff that prevent you from giving it all. It's it's a kind of a it really, you know, when people have an opportunity to really contribute and participate, yep. and their time is worth something, too, to, to, to put into this. Right. So, like, last year, we'll touch on the Hard Rock real quick. Last year at Hard Rock, that um, the show that we put on there, at the end of the dance, take all the expenses and everything out of it, what it costs to do it, we end up raising $19,000 on that for kids with drift trikes and donations from, like, Garrett's Customs and, like, Radical Randy gave it uh, – uh, uh, what do you call those little cameras there? The GoPro? GoPros. Um, between sales of shirts, entry fees, which Hard Rock gave us the whole place for free, which was killer. Yeah, that's a big thing. To yeah, because that cuts expenses down big time. You get a venue for free? Yeah. so we I know the, what we pay for the Wheels of Steel. So we got the venue for free. We built the... Uh, which, if anybody knows my show last year, we rented a forklift, and we had to forklift all the bikes into... The um, the ballroom with this this um, this little pallet we built, which was cool, and um, so last year we did nine after everything was said and done, it was nineteen grand, and then between my crew and myself and my friends riding to Sturgis last year, we ended up giving a check for almost sixty thousand dollars, which is killer to help out the community and what we do for a living, man. So I hold what I do. And my friends do at these charitable things to my heart, man, because it's like we're doing, you know, they say good things happen to good people and all my people are good hey, people. Good, good givers are good getters. Yeah. So we'll leave it on. We'll, we, we'll wrap up with that right there and just say I appreciate you coming out here and doing this. I appreciate Absolutely. you doing this no class bike show. Thank you. Um, thank you for participating in the Wheels of Steel this year. Hopefully we can count on you to come out and, and participate. We have a two day show this year. Uh, Cody, not sure if you can get your fucking happy ass over to this side of this, the country. Daytona at oh. this short of notice, he he's, won't. But he's cutting aside he's birds. He's cutting aside birds right now. <laughs> I'll do. I'll, I'll do my best. But I'm just glad you squats included me a little bit tonight. So. Oh, you know, nothing but love, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, man, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, and I'll uh, I'll edit all of our all of our stupidity out of here so that we don't sound like a couple of clowns. But we I think ain't we, clowns, man. No, we it's what it. we do, man. This is what we do. I love you, buddy. I, th- I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Cody. Too, I'll, See you talk, guys. I'll talk to you about five All times right, man. tomorrow, man. Hey, hit the reset button, guys. Cody. Hit the reset button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, later, man. Later. All right. Bye. Bye. Hell on Wheels Garage Built Podcast. That was Corey Souza and Cody Childress from Whoville Speed and Custom in Abilene. Uh, make sure you guys check out the fourth annual Corey Souza Originals No Class Bike Show this week, uh, or not this week, but this year at Daytona Bike Week. It's going to be at the Ocean Walk at the Convention Center. So go to CoreySouza.com for all the information or check it out on Facebook. Make sure you follow Corey Souza at Corey Souza Originals. Right? All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>